The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Cancelled Too Soon is the podcast you're listening to. We review television series lasting one season or less, and it's October, so they're scary. <laughs> they're all scary shows. Super scary. It's the scariest shows you ever saw. I don't know about Monstober, but okay. <laughs> all the other good ones are taken. Spooktober. Shocktober. People say Spooktober? I've seen Spooktober. Okay, I'll take it. Yeah, I've, I've heard worse. Although, one of the greater things that Madison Avenue has, has bequeathed to this world is the the invention of the word spooktacular, that is, which is which is one I will never ever put down. Yeah, someone someone uh, earned their paycheck that week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, spooktacular, and now, million dollars. <laughs> I hope the person who first said the word spooktacular like got a huge amount of money, a do, spooktacular amount of money. Do you think there were like other like earlier drafts? Like, mm-hmm. there's like a big whiteboard mm-hmm. that's covered with like uh, spook credible or uh, spook amazing. <laughs> Mm, no, I think it would be like yeah. a, a maze. Spooker Cal- something like that. Spooker Califragilistic XBL Spookious. Uh, sorry, Disney. Disney would murder us. No, Disney's not born yet. Uh, I imagine this was a while ago. All right, uh, spooktacular. In, in, in this imaginary scenario <laughs> in my go. brain. Who the hell are you? My name is William Bibiani. I'm a <laughs> film critic for Crave Online and IGM.com. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. That's all. That's all you need to know. That's all you need, baby. When you're as hot as Whitney Seibold, you don't need any more. Do you have an avatar on the brand new Schmodown app? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. <laughs> I have. Uh, I, well, I am an avatar. Like, you can play as yeah, me. Yeah. Are you? Are you I, yet? I do, well, I have, an, I have an Android phone. And they're not available okay. for Android yet, so I haven't been able to okay. check. I haven't updated my phone. I need to have like a newer operating system. Oh, that's like funny. every time I get a new operating system on my phone, something else on my phone breaks, so I haven't updated oh. it in a while. So I actually haven't played the app yet. But so, there uh, is for if, if you're wondering, uh, you know, what, Whitney what the and, heck we're talking about? Whitney here. and I are competitors on the movie trivia Schmodown over at uh, Collider Video, and that's a movie trivia game, uh, and it's a game show, and it's combined with wrestling. And everything, it's a lot of fun, and they just came out with their first app and the app is like you're playing the game and you can play against players from the 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 show mm-hmm. and people like me or John Roca or Mark Riley or mm-hmm. Stacy Howard and uh it's so the it's, more, it's the cool. more pop, among the more pop, popular players and me and you <laughs> there was a uh, there was a there was like a poll on the Movie Trivia Schmodown Facebook page about who the most overrated player was in the Schmodown, uh. and I won by a landslide, and I argued. <laughs> I argued this. What, what an honor. No, I disagree, because yeah. here's the thing. Uh. If nobody likes me, how can I be overrated? Hmm. Checkmate. <laughs> I win. I want wings around here, logically. <laughs> Um, so anyway, cancel too soon. So, uh, yeah, d- if, if, you, if you want to play against yeah. William... Yeah. In a movie trivia showdown yourself, and you have an Apple brand telephone, uh-huh. 
then you can do that. Well, it's a computer version of me. Yeah. I maintain I'd probably do better than the computer. I would like cause the computer to like freak out and blow up like in an old sci-fi show. So long as you're not like the Glass Joe, like you're round one. Oh, don't that suck? <laughs> no one wants to be Glass Joe. Glass Joe sucks. Don't, um, don't hit my jaw. Anyway, uh, cancel too soon. We well, oh, yeah, and uh, this is a podcast about uh, TV shows that failed. That's right, and uh, <laughs> there is no shortage of failed television series with a horror slant, and... You know, we've we've covered quite a few before, and October's as good a time as any uh, to focus on them. And we have found some real crap for you this year. Oh, heck yes. Oh, my God. And, so, uh, so this is uh, the one we're covering this week. Yeah, you discovered this. I, I discovered this uh, just entirely by chance, just browsing through DVDs one day. And bought it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. this is this is prime real estate. We need to move on to this right away. And it's prime Whitney because anyone else would think it's crap. <laughs> and you saw this and you were just jackpot. This this is this is the kind of thing I'm looking for. It it, it leapt into my lap and I'm happy to have it there. I I stroke it in my lap like a, an eager kitten. This is a this is a kids, a live action Saturday morning TV show from nineteen seventy-six. Mm-hmm. It stars Dracula. The Wolfman, and Frankenstein, and Walt, <laughs> and a guy named Walt, and they fight a series of supervillains. It is called Monster Squad. My name's Walt. I work as night watchman here at Fred's Wax Museum to put myself through criminology college. It used to be very lonely, until recently when I plugged in my crime computer. Suddenly, oscillating vibrations brought to life three legendary monsters. Dracula, the werewolf, and Frankenstein. Creatures hated and feared for centuries, now determined to make up for their past misbehaving by fighting crime wherever they find it. Together, we're the Monster Squad. Monster Squad. So the premise of Monster Squad. Yes, as you heard just now in the clip. The, there, yeah. Uh, so this guy Walt, who is working his way through criminology college, yeah. which we never see because the show's too she- too he's cheap to show it. Busy. He's a busy guy. Uh, he's he's very Burt Wardian in a, in a, a powerful way. Like it, he's got the Burt Ward hairdo. It's like Burt Ward crossed with Archie Andrews. Like he's just mm-hmm. he's always got this like even he looks 35 uh-huh. like he's got this like yellow sweater with like an m or a c on oh, it's, it like a, it's it's yeah school letter yeah and he's he's he like looks like he looks like he's an adult playing dress up as himself 20 years ago and he's he, he's very square he's very business minded and he speaks very demonstratively as you <laughs> heard about a, demonstratively demonstrously and uh <laughs> He he works in Fred's Wax Museum in Metropolis, USA. Uh, they never name what actual city it is. And sure enough, like every other there's, episode, we find out it's next to New York, there, California. Or... Well, there, there's one episode where they say, okay, well, we found out these dealings in New York. Okay, you go there. And we found out these dealings in San Francisco. Okay, you go there. It's like they just go there. Yeah, like they're both – like every, every city in the world is five minutes away from Metropolis. <laughs> or as I like to think of it, Monstropolis. Okay. Then sadly, they don't have like a clever name for it. It's just no, like the metro. Yeah. It's it's where the the police academy hang yeah. out. Uh, so he has in. It, it's never explained how it got there, but there is a gigantic crime computer inside the sarcophagus. No, he says it. Middle. He put it in there. 
Just he put it in there. Yeah, he had to. He, he had just to, like, had a crime computer. He, he, he made. I assume he made a crime computer uh-huh. uh, in order to do his criminologies, and he and spent he, he, so much. Well, hold on, hold on. Okay. It's, it's like uh, uh, you know, anyone has a night job to put themselves through college. Uh-huh. You're studying after hours. You bring your computer to work. Mm-hmm. Your computer, in this case, happens to be the size of a Pinto. <laughs> it's a gigantic machine. It's and, it, and, it's, and it's clearly made out of cardboard, and it's got blinking lights. It's got, like, Christmas lights inside. And it's, slots it's, to put stuff in, and it gives you a punch card that was full of information about it. It's not even, like, a slot that, like, they're feeding it in. It's just, like, a little opening in the cardboard, and they kind of chuck a card in. Yeah, like a and mail then, slot. And then you can almost see the fingers of the stagehand <laughs> hiding inside as they push the card out again. It's so cheap. It's pretty great. So he puts this computer in, and he turns it on, and he is surprised to discover, and if he read the manual, he probably wouldn't have been, (laughs) that when you turn on a criminology computer inside a wax museum, Mm. the statues of Frankenstein, uh, Dracula, and the Wolfman, and for some reason, only those monsters come to life. Those are the only ones within the vicinity of the sonic oscillators in the computer, I suppose. I I thought so, too, but then uh, apparently, and I actually missed it, but there there are people who, other people who have indeed watched this show, apparently (laughs) there's a statue or a wax museum statue of the Invisible Man in there. But he doesn't come alive, as far as we know. As far as we know. (laughs) (laughs) Although maybe they just cheaped out and didn't put a statue, and that's why there's no Invisible Man. Well, I, I think that would be a good joke for a wax museum. You just have the diorama with no statue inside, and yeah. that's the Invisible Man. Writes itself. It's good. <laughs> or it's Ed Begley Jr. with no clothes on. But it's super confusing because Dracula, the Wolfman, and Frankenstein, they're supposed to be wax sculptures brought to life, uh-huh. but they have all their memories from hundreds of years of life in some cases. And not only do they have memories, but this is now a, a show about their penance. They have guilt. Yeah. They have consciences. All their naughty misdeeds. That, and indeed, it's, as they said in that opening, it's like, to, to make good on their naughty misdeeds for all the people they've murdered in the past. Horrifically murdered. Which, we don't talk about the murders too much. Not but so much! We understand that they're monsters and they've done bad things. Yes. And now, uh, to make up for it, they've decided to team up as the Monster Squad mm-hmm. and stop really stupid supervillains in really outlandish costumes. All of whom... Are like a special guest star of the week, yeah. Like in uh, the old Batman show, and I would like to say there's a little bit of overlap. Mm. A couple actors you'll see in both, and yeah, also no, no, none of the main ones. Like there's no Burgess Meredith or anything. Uh, 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 Julie Newmar. Oh, Julie Newmar, you're right. Julie Newmar is like the one. She's like the big one. Uh, uh, but pretty much everyone they get is sort of like. Like, the Batman show would get, like, Frank Gorshin and Cesar Romero and Burgess Meredith. People Act- kind of had a little bit of clout. Actors you recognize. Uh. Like, oh, hey, that guy. Even if you don't know his name, you know that guy. Mm. Uh, oh, Eartha Kit. Holy shit, they got Eartha Kit. This is awesome. Like, one of the big gets they got is Avery Schreiber. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Manzini from My Mother the Car. That was their big get that week. Come on, they they had Jonathan Harris one week. That's they had Jonathan that's Harris pretty one big. week. Well, I mean, it was they had Sid Haig week. one week. And I want to say one thing right now. Well, that I don't think it was get. ever difficult to get Sid Haig. I was about to say that's not a get. That's just Sid Haig working. Exactly my point. <laughs> he was a lot the of villain. He was one of the sidekicks. My point is, is that it's almost never a treat. Yeah, it's just uh, always like, yeah, I buy Sid Haig did that. Jonathan Harris was fun. Come that's on, that's fun, but he's not a get. He do anything. People would do anything. It's true. It's true. That, that, we'll run into like a couple of cool ones, but seriously, it's mostly it's, like it's like cool th- to us now. Like at the time, these were just people who were looking for work, and the, yeah. they were taking this goofy kid show job because it gave them a paycheck that week. Let me put it this way: Monster Squad is to Batman mm-hmm. 
what like the Inhumans is to Daredevil. <laughs> You're just like, oh, they tried. Bless yeah, them. They're trying, but yeah, it's... they couldn't get good actors. They had to get these guys. I'm like, a couple of those people in the Inhumans. The are show's good super cheap, and yeah. it follows a very strict Saturday morning type formula. Yes. A, a crime has been committed off camera. Uh-huh. No, we only have a few sets. Like we have the main wax museum, and then uh-huh. we have like two different sets of like the villain's lair, and that's pretty much it for and, any episode. And it's great because the villain's lair is always the same layer, but they paint it a different color every week. And they hang different weird stuff on the wall. And the weird stuff is like the production design on this show. Occasionally, they'll build like a weird torture device, but mostly it's stuff you'd get at Party City. 20, 30, 40 years ago. Like, there's, like, paper streamers. There's one where, like, they have a wizard, like, an actual honest-to-God wizard, and the way he decorates his, like, sparse, like, like safe haven-type pastel-colored interior cabin is with aluminum foil crinkled into the shape of moons. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. clearly the aluminum kind of, foil. Like the kind of thing you'd put together as a fourteen-year-old putting, like, trying to do your prom. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm creative, but I have no resources. Like, like, imagine you were told you're gonna do a Batman series, but you have the budget of a show from that movie UHF <laughs> before they became popular. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what they got. Oh god, it's pretty special. So and, let's. And the, so the, there's one supervillain played by. Vaguely recognizable yeah. genre actor, perhaps, guest star of the week, a guest star of the week, and they would each invariably have a pair, one like two thugs, a pair of thugs, yeah, with names uh, like Mumbo and Jumbo, yeah, and they would always have like matching names, Toil and Trouble, that sort of thing, and uh, I was really, really hoping that those two thugs would be played by the same actors in every episode. Like, they're just <laughs> moving from boss to boss, and they're just kind of dimwits, and they have no other recourse but to go from supervillain to supervillain. I always thought it'd be a fun thing to do a TV show that was only about hired goons. That's just about people who work for supervillains, and oh. have just, just have the crap jobs. Like, ah, mm. oh, the Joker wants to build a death trap. Someone needs to go buy a giant spring. <laughs> and that's the whole episode, yeah. is them trying to find a giant spring. And, and yeah, how difficult that is. I had one smelted, and I got these, like, the special deal on these metal shavings, so it's yeah. actually going to be... And, and the Joker doesn't appreciate them. Yeah. Like the, no, it's, it's not the right color. Send it back. Damn it. No, but this one's much better, Mr. Joker. Oh, no, no, please, please, not the poison fish again. You know, yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's let's get some, uh, some uh, before we go into the episodes, let's get some uh, details out of the way. Monster Squad aired on NBC from, ni- on, in, uh, from September 11th through December 4th, 1976, on Saturday mornings. It was repeated regularly through 1977, mm. but the initial run was all 1976. Um, it was created by Stanley Ralph Ross, who indeed worked on Batman. Mm-hmm. He worked on two, the first two failed Wonder Woman pilots that <laughs> Which we reviewed we've also in June. Covered, yeah. uh, he also worked on That's My Mama. I don't know That's My Mama. You never saw That's My Mama? No. It was a sitcom about oh, what, someone it, who, was the, who was a mama. Wasn't it based on that comic strip Mama? I don't no, know. I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. If memory serves, no. Okay. If you're wrong. <laughs> I think there was something like the comic strip Mama made its way somewhere um so the main cast is only four people so we can burn through it pretty quickly uh so walter the human the boring guy uh he's he's not he's, he's kind of boring he's just not the monster he actually that's why he's boring he, he tries to 
tries to give him a little bit of personality. He does his best. Yeah. He does his best. He, he exaggerates. He overacts. He's fine. He's played by Fred Grandy, mm-hmm. uh, who played Gopher on The Love Boat. Uh, more and- recently. More recently, he's been on the Mindy Project a lot. Okay. But and, he's still working. And was also a U.S. representative very, yeah. very briefly. He was an Iowa congressman for four consecutive terms. Afterwards, he was a president and CEO for Goodwill. So this guy has an interesting life. Good for him. Yeah. I, Does he also have a hit single? I mean, there's got to be something he was like a He was like a host or like a special expert they called in a lot on NPR. Like, he's done uh, a lot. <laughs> Good for him. I want to have a lunch with this guy. Yeah, Fred Grandy. Totally awesome. Uh, Dracula mm-hmm. is played by Henry Pollock II. Um, younger audiences probably know him best as the original voice of the Scarecrow on Batman the Animated Series. Oh, no kidding. All right. Yeah. Uh, he was also on Webster, and he was in a Mel Brooks series that we need to track down for Cancel Too Soon mm-hmm. called When Things when, Were Rotten. You know what? I've seen When Things Were Rotten. I, I was a huge Mel Brooks fan when I was a kid. Okay, I, when, I actually saw it. When Things Were Rotten was a Mel Brooks sitcom about Robin Hood. And this was oh. like 20 years before he did Robin Hood Men in Tights. Uh-huh. Did he recycle all the same jokes? He recycled every single joke. It doesn't Everything me from Robin Hood Men in Tights originally appeared. Except for like the, the like the updated rap video stuff, yeah, or like the stuff that specifically referred to the Kevin Costner movie. I'm yeah, sure, yeah, but yeah, yeah, great. All of the other gags we have to were, were take were lifted clean <laughs> right out of when things were rotten. Nice. Uh, okay, so uh, our next character, Bruce W. Wolf. The W stands for. Where? <laughs> oh, I just got that. They said it in the show. Oh, okay. Uh, he's played by Buck Cartalian uh, from Cool Hand Luke. And Jim Cotta. And Jim Cotta! <laughs> he was the bad guy in Jim Cotta. He was like the main bad guy who is responsible for the weird Jim Cotta. Tell people what Jim Cotta is. Okay, Jim Cotta is the greatest movie ever made. It's pretty far uh, up By there, human yeah. hands. Uh, it, <laughs> Uh, so the producers of Jim Cotta uh, hired a gymnast and decided, hey, if we combine gymnastics and martial arts, that's a new martial art called Jim Cotta. And here's the thing. There are worse ideas for martial arts. There are worse ideas. There are infinitely worse. And, and I've seen them. And, he, and he's a gymnast, so he can actually do like all the physical stuff. But then he's invited to like Kumite. Which is like a fight to the death, but it's also like this bonkers race slash scavenger hunt. Yeah, it's kind of like... Um, like you have to f- survive all these challenges while ninjas are trying to kill you. And one of the yeah. challenges is you have to trek through a village of insane people. Yeah, and, like they like, keep a village of just all, yeah. homicidal maniacs and you have to like okay. run through it. And you just kind of wonder, is that worth the... The upkeep? Because you gotta, like, throw f- enough food in there for an entire village full of maniacs. And, and there's no wall. Like, what's keeping the, mil- the, well, the maniacs in the village? It's like the Reavers in uh, uh, Firefly, which is like, oh, it's so cool. There's, like, this this horrible, like, completely insane uh, people who are, like, will, like, kill and destroy you and, and molest your corpse. And they're just the most evil things in the world. And they fly around in spaceships. And I'm just like, I don't buy that they're doing the maintenance. It's, yeah, it's, it's the, 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 the Klingon paradox. It's yeah. like you're of this warrior race devoted to, like, combat and war, but... You've also, like, can you picture one of these guys, like, fixing a warp manifold, you know? <laughs> I always wondered, like, they, they actually covered that on Farscape, because there's this horrible, like, warlike race, and then there is, like, there's actually, like, a subclass, they're, like, of the nerds who keep things running, and they're kind of oppressed, but, like, everyone knows they need those guys. Okay. <laughs> I always wondered if there's, like, a, like another race of, like, kind of dweeby predators who actually make all this stuff while the other ones just hunt everything, and it's just like, you know, we have, like, a society, and we you know have what? to, like, grow food, and nope, 
hunting. That's all we do. My, my guess is that the creatures we've seen in the Predator movies so far are like the upper class guys who mm-hmm. are like weekend warriors. It's like, let, yes, let's put on our uh, our special hunting outfits and go out to this remote planet and we'll just hunt the natives. And they go back to their jobs as CEOs and stuff. Yeah. That's, their that's, business suits. that's the movie Predator. Anyway, like we're, to off, it. we're off topic. We're off topic just a little bit. <laughs> Back uh, to Monster Squad. So that's Bruce W. Wolf. Uh, Buck Cartalian is one of the uh, two members of the cast were also professional wrestlers. Buck Cartalian mm. was also the Perpetual Motion Man. Really? That was his wrestling name. Wow. That's an amazing wrestling name. Perpetual Motion Man. And then finally we have Frank N. Stein. Like Frankenfurter. Yeah. Played by Mike Lane, uh, who had also previously played Frankenstein on The Monkees. And you know what? The Monkees are all over this. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's the same weird, goofy tone. Uh, He was also in uh, a couple episodes of Batman as Daddy Longlegs. Okay. And he he was also a professional wrestler. His wrestling name was Tarzan Mike, which is just putting someone else's name in front of your name. Tarzan Mike is fine. I'll take Tarzan Mike. But it's just Tarzan's Oh, well, you could be like Dracula Sam. That's, that's pretty good. Dracula Sam is... Oh, I guess that's okay. <laughs> so Tarzan Mike is just as good. Dracula Sam. Who, who are you? Phantom of the Opera, Steve. Sherlock Fist. You know, whatever you got. But that's but that's not only one of those as a name, though. So you gotta be like, what's your name? Sherlock Tobias. Doesn't really <laughs> trip off the tongue. Sherlock uh, Tobias. It's not a great name. Uh, okay, so we're caught up. Now we understand the basic premise. Mm-hmm. Let's get into it's, it's not terribly complicated because yeah. this is a show for eight-year-old boys. Yeah, we're not there's not a lot of depth well, we're gonna girls, go into here. Eight-year-old we're, kids. we're just gonna guide you through how yeah. stupid this thing is. So the first episode right. is called Queen Bee. Well, each episode is named after the villain. Yeah. And so, the villain, this one is Queen Bee. Mm-hmm. Uh Walter comes into it's the played monsters. played by uh, Alice Ghostly, an actress you might recognize. Uh yeah. She, uh, she was in uh Greece. She played Mrs. Murdoch. Yeah. She was also in To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh so in this episode, Walter comes into the Monster Squad lair, mm. awakens the monsters, and says, There's killer bee attacks everywhere. Mm. And uh, they capture I, I, one of I, the bees. I like the cold open. No origin story. Never, yeah. All the origin story is in the title sequence. That's all we need. You got that's it. <laughs> because it would be far, far too complicated and too many questions would be raised. So they, they, they have, they've captured one bee and they put the bee in the computer uh-huh. and the computer translates the bee and Walter even hears the buzzing and he was just like, it's speaking with a Spanish accent so I know it's from South America, mm. which I'm like, that's cute, come on. Yeah, that's a cute. That's a cute gag for little kids. The bee buzzes with a Spanish accent, uh-huh. uh, and the message is: "Bees of the world, attack! You have nothing to lose but your stingers." You realize when you when a bee stings you, like organs come off with the stinger and they die. Yeah, basically, yeah. Do these bees have knives? That that is that is the gag that uh, Brandon Reese has uh, espoused. That the bees have knives. Yeah. <laughs> there was that was the whole thing. It's like, oh, you know, bees. Every time they sting, they lose their stinger. Oh, I feel bad now. It just cuts to a bee with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen that on shirts now. It's a great image. The bee with a knife. Yeah, it's great. Um, so yeah, Alice Ghostly. Her plan is to attack the world with bees and hold the world for ransom. The United Nations has all agreed to her demands, except for some reason, Liechtenstein. Mm. Liechtenstein is the sole holdout. And Even what, we never see any of these world leaders. No, it's no. just like news being... Re- it's like a Shakespeare play. All of the news is reported back to the yeah. characters We on do stage. occasionally meet the mayor of this city, but that's as, far, as high up He's as we go. He's the only supporting cast member, uh, apart from the villains. And we do... There's a, there a cop. Officer oh, McMac... Oh, yeah, yeah. Officer McMickmack. McMickmack. Officer McMickmack. Yeah. 
Terrible. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Liechtenstein is a sole holdout, but they will make her a commemorative stamp. Mm. Was Liechtenstein a stamp-based economy? Because they make this joke like three times over the course of this episode. You know, having seen a lot of like comedies and children's entertainment from this era, mm-hmm. philately was everywhere. I don't okay, understand. You sound dirty. Philately is stamp collecting. It's stamp collecting. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Phil- like philately jokes were just. De, mm-hmm. de rigueur. It's like having a funny nun in your comedy. It was just a thing that happened. Well, people used to actually do that. Apparently, the stamp collecting, like, whole pastime is dead. Yeah, people just don't. Re- like, no one does it anymore. The post office. And, like, still and like collections offers... that were worth, like, thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars are now worth meaningless. Yeah. Worthless. Yeah. They just, no like one's the, buying it. That movie, Charade, doesn't mean anything anymore. But uh, it's kind of a pity. Also, spoilers. Oh, and spoilers <laughs> for the movie Charade. You dick. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Why would you do that? Um, so, yeah, so. They encounter the Queen Bee. Dracula is sent in on his own. And Dracula, this is the only episode when he does this. Mm. But it's like Dracula isn't sure he wants to be a hero. Because he goes into the Queen Bee's lair. And his initial like uh, response is to kind of neg her. Uh-huh. Into like letting him join the gang and become her new boyfriend. Well, that was part of his, their plan. I think was it was it? infiltrating the bee colony, or maybe he was being. I was. Kind of I unfair. thought he was. I thought he was Eventually being a little self. In, it was acting in his own yeah. self interest. Eventually, and, he's found out and dipped in a vat of honey, which is actually just water with like construction paper floating in it. Oh yeah, construction that, paper equals honey. Honey, and then he's thrown in a cage with a bear. Uh-huh. And watching a guy in a cheap NBC 1976-era bear suit fighting Dracula in a glass box is one of the most glorious things I've ever witnessed. It's pretty great. So, yeah, every episode ends with there's a big torture device type thing. Uh-huh. They escape. And then there's not an action sequence. Just it's, people it's, running around. It, it's, it, does feel like, it does feel like one of the monkey mayhem bits. Like yeah. Where, yeah, it's like the Benny Hill. But... They don't bother to speed up the film, so it doesn't have that kind of weird propulsive energy. It's just guys running around a room kind of pushing each other a little bit, it, but there's no actual fighting. It's not aggressive yeah. There's a, there's, a, there's some shoving, yeah. and like occasionally someone will like hit People, someone on the head with like a fake tambourine. Or, or a, a pillow. There's like yeah. a pillow fight in one episode. Or they'll throw yeah. things. But like, yeah, it's not sped up, and I never thought I would miss, mm. in the old live-action Batman show, Batman punching a guy and it going, that was really cool and when well, Batman did it. I don't but, know if it's cool, but like it really like if you take that out, uh-huh. it looks ridiculous. Like more so. Like it looks like there's nothing going on. It looks like everyone's trying not to hit each other. Yeah, it's uh, so but, distracting so, those big as a, as a little kid, I watched those Batman fight scenes and I was really frustrated. Like they'd punch and it was always like a fake stage punch where the elbows like super bent and the fist is like a foot away from the the victim's face. But then they would kick people as well, but it was never like a strike. It was always like pushing them with their feet. Yeah. There was never actually like a kick. And I I didn't understand why a punch was okay. Like the violence of a punch is fine, but the violence of a kick wasn't. This is kick pushes, but no punches at all. It's just like no... how to describe it? I can't say scuffle because that implies that there is actually fisticuffs. No, you know what it is? It's like Stewie Griffin's big sexy party. Like in Family Guy. And just everyone just sort of runs around. 
Like it's it's like in Scooby Doo where everyone like runs through different doors and like a band plays and the monsters playing you know but the again, saxophone. Th- there's and, no music and they're yeah. not speeding anything up. It's just people lurching around a room for a little bit. Yeah, it, it's it's absolutely absurd. And every episode ends with like two solid minutes of this. Uh-huh. Like it's like someone's weird fetish. That's like it's not, it's not you're not offended because there's nothing like obscene about it. It's just not your fetish, man. It's just like, you know, it's like, oh, popping balloons is my thing. Great, knock yourself out. All I see are people popping balloons, and it's weird to see that for like two minutes at the end of every episode of television. Mm. And by the way, if that is your kink, I am not judging you. That is totally fine. It's fine. It's, it's just, just, it's just not, not our, everyone's not thing. thing. <laughs> and so it's an odd thing to experience for forever. And then uh, uh, they defeat her. They, they defeat the villain, and they take the villain into custody, and then there's a, a brief epilogue of some mm. sort. Episode two... Mm-hmm is a weird one for a couple of reasons. Uh, it's called Mr. But, Mephisto. Uh-huh. Mr. Mephisto is played by Barry Denon, uh, who was pilot in Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so right. that seems familiar. Actually, I haven't seen Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, he's great. So, yeah. he's, he's, he's fun. He really like, I've seen role. a stage production, but I haven't seen the movie. Uh, so in this episode, Mr. Mephisto replaces the mayor of this town mm. with like a clockwork doll. Yeah. He has two clockwork doll accomplices. Then their names are like Baby Doll and... Something, uh, something. Oh, oh, no, it was like... It was not do, not Dolly down. Madison. It was like Rhonda... It was named after a famous actress whose last name was Doll. And I, I looked her up and I totally forgot her name. I also totally mm-hmm. forgot it. This was also directed by mm-hmm. a man named Wes Kenny. Wes Kenny. Wes Kenny mm-hmm. was one of my professors in film school. No kidding! Yeah, he taught the... Uh, there was a class we had in three-camera uh, television. Okay. Which is when you you're okay. editing live at the mm-hmm. moment. So you cut to camera one, camera two, camera three, back to one, back to three. Traditional live sitcoms. Yeah, like any like Three's Company, mm-hmm. Married with Children, Brady Bunch, that kind of sitcom. Mm-hmm. And he taught that class, and I so I learned like that from Wes Kenny, and I had no idea he had done Monster Squad. It would have meant nothing to me at the time, but it would have been novel. <laughs> <laughs> also, I did this one episode of this kid program. I had an interesting group of professors. One of my other professors was the director of photography of Puppet Master Two, <laughs> which is the best of the Puppet Master. I would movies, argue I it's probably the best of the Puppet Masters, and he signed a poster of Puppet Master Two for me, and it says, "Never be the puppet." Always be the master. Something a, a professor ought to say. Yeah, Tom DeNovi, cool guy. Um, <laughs> so one of your professors directed Mr. Uh, Mephisto. Uh, two episodes, actually. He directed this one and the one after it. So it was just kind of oh, wow. weird. Okay. But this is also the episode that has a lot of weird sex jokes. Sex jokes? Yeah, like, like really just like pushing your luck. Mm-hmm. Sex jokes. For example, uh, the Mr. Mephisto has a hideout. His hideout is located at Mephisto's Dollhouse and Sausage Factory, mm. located at 382638 oh, Broad Street. I did catch. Well, uh, I caught that. I thought that was just no, no. Sec, that was like a sexist joke. I, a well, it is joke. a sexist yeah. joke, but I think it's also like this. Thing, it's like they were trying to get away with stuff. Also, like the Wolfman can tell that like they're dolls because he can smell lubricant, mm. and there are these like sexy ladies, and he can smell lubricant. Hey, Sergio, get out of the sink. <laughs> <laughs> so you, my you, god you think it was like personal lubricant that he's that he's smelling like? i think they were trying to see what they could get away with i think the writers were bored 
And they're trying to sneak sex jokes into a children's program. Subtle, subtle (laughs) sex jokes. The kids won't get it, but they'll know it's there. And you're just watching it, just like, they knew. (laughs) They knew that that was weird. Here's the weird thing. None of the actors, like, I mean, they overact, and they're Uh, clearly going for, like, this sort of Batman level of camp, even though this is a decade after the fact. They're They're like the Frankensteins you used to see at Universal Studios. Just trudging yeah, around, but, being but friendly, not, but not as scary. Yeah, and, uh, and the makeup is terrible. <laughs> well, they don't especially even, on Frankenstein because they don't even like put the green makeup over his eyes. Like they they leave his eyes and his lips and like the palms of his hands like unpainted because yeah. either they didn't have enough or they couldn't get like paint that didn't come off or they couldn't be bothered. You are not <laughs> paying me enough to paint my eyelids. The uh, the Wolfman like they clearly had this bit like one big appliance that went over his head and then they like probably just glued the fake nose on. But yeah, there's these big gaps around his eyes and mouth so the makeup could be put on like really quickly yeah. dracula looks like something you get out of a halloween store he looks a little bit like got the, uh, the white skin and the like the sallow cheekbones he looks like judd hirsch in uh, the halloween almost wasn't a little bit yeah, yeah yeah he does uh so basically yeah they they fight mr mephisto there's like mr mephisto's lair for some reason has a bunch of those inflatable punching bag clowns Mm. They punch and they come back up again. So everyone's hitting each other with clown punching bags. Mm. And it's making that like a weird boinging sound effect, which is very distracting. Yeah. And you know that just, you know, clowns don't make that noise. <laughs> like you just like, I don't buy it, Monster Squad. <laughs> you had me until now. You know, clowns don't make that noise. Episode three of Monster Squad is called The Tickler. And the Tickler is their arch nemesis, from what I could tell. The Tickler because is this the is, one that... Because he's the, the only, only one they claim to have fought before. Yeah, they said, ah, the Tickler is back. And I'm guessing the Tickler was meant to be, like, kind of the Joker of the show. Well, I mean, he's he looks like... Uh, and he's a uh, clown. Emmett, yeah, he's a clown. He looks like Emmett Kelly, like a mm. sad clown. And the idea of the Tickler is he's kind of like a cross between the Joker and Mr. Freeze, because he cannot laugh. Mm. Or he's kind of like Chris Cooper in The Muppets. Uh, yeah, he, he he does not have the ability to laugh. Uh-huh. So what he does is you know commit more like vi- more and more vicious pranks in an attempt to make himself laugh, and that kind of is he gets close closer each time he does something even crueler. And in this particular episode, he has decided that the sickest, most twisted, mm. hilarious, mean thing he can do is counterfeit money. Yeah, it doesn't, like, play it. Like, he's not using a ray gun to, like, rob children of laughter or something. Yeah, there's nothing, just, it's nothing to do with it. He's but just he does have a counterfeiting tic- money. But he does have a tickle machine. He does, and the tickle machine is great. Because it's, like, this long, like, it's, kind of... It's, it's, you lay your victims down, and then there's a bunch of, like, tickling feathers on a spit, essentially. And you turn a crank. Yeah. And the t- the feathers brush against your body, and you tickle, and you die of laughter, I suppose. It, it's, it seems more like a slumber party kit. <laughs> you know, like it's like it's, a, like it's like a it's like a feathery slip and slide. It's like some something you'd have as punishment at like a church sleepaway camp. Um. So, uh, and at this point, we're we're just completely saying bye bye to anything even remotely resembling reality because they're like he traps the monsters in a cage, and he was like, this cage is made of the most indestructible force known to man: mm. library paste. And the wolf fan's like, damn it, <laughs> <laughs> our greatest weakness. <laughs> That that has to have referred to something that was happening in the seventies that we're just not picking up on. His henchmen are Snicker and Twitter. Mm. Snicker and Twitter have like floppy hand hats. They're t- they're tickle hands. 
But they're not tickle hands. They're just sort of flopping around. It's like they, they, they cut off actually, Mickey Mouse's hand and just shoved it on their head. I think the, and it's just hanging there. The idea is they're supposed to be tickle hands, but they're clearly just giant glove pillows that you know they attach to their hats. Another feature of the the sidekicks is there was typically when it was men anyway, there was typically one very large one and one very small one. Yeah, like one big an oaf and a, a sniveling little guy. Yeah. Uh, episode four, the ringmaster. Uh, with, uh, I think it's Billy, oh, I hope I wrote this down right, Billy Curb, mm. uh, from The Terror of Tiny Town, yeah, High Plains play. Drifter, and Saboteur. Famous dwarf actor. Famous little person yeah, actor, right. he's great. And, uh, basically, uh, he's, works at a, uh, a carnival, where the strong man, mm. and the and obese lady, who is obviously a not obese lady, in a very offensive, like, well, fat I was, costume. I was gonna, I was gonna ask, is fat face a thing like i've heard of black face and brown face and yellow face you know when white actors I feel like it play should be. other races it's like it's, if, it's, if they it's, put it's, a thin actor in a fat suit is that i, I was a little uh, offended uh, speaking uh, as an, speaking as someone who is uh by any conventional uh, uh standard fat okay um i was a little offended because it's not just that she's large mm. it's that she's constantly eating and that she's so she's like e- a, a she's pocket some, full of cake and, yeah. yeah and like she's always got stuff smeared on her face mm. and the fact that they couldn't even like hire, like, hire an actual, a fat actress like, yeah. like at the very least like <clears throat> it kind of hurt a little bit actually <laughs> i was just like dude weak well if a friend of mine does burlesque mm-hmm. and she has a divine number like f- famous drag queen divine yeah not not just her number is divine. It is divine, but uh, she, for it she wears a fat suit, and most people love the number and think it's fine. But an audience member came up to her and said, "That's really really offensive to fat people that you're doing the striptease number out of a fat suit." And only that one person has ever complained. Mm. And most people think that's not offensive, especially if you're well, doing it as a famous person. Well, I mean, it's 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 tricky, and mm. I think it boils down to uh, if someone's feelings are hurt, mm. that's valid. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to navigate that sometimes. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. This particular version mm-hmm. ticked me off. Because it's not even like Weird Al Yankovic's like, fat music video mm. where he was clearly being playful. Yeah. Like, it, it, that didn't seem mean. Mm. This felt mean. Well, it, this felt insulting. It's mean because A, she doesn't speak, so she's kind of an idiot. All, all of the, the henchmen were idiots. Yeah. But... Uh, that that she's kind of this m- mute monstrous slob. Mm-hmm. She's really she's not just fat. She's slob. You're supposed to be repelled by her. Yeah, yeah. And that that bothered me because it's 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 a, it's it's, la- it's at best it's a lazy joke. She, but clearly, I mean, it's like the fakest fat suit. Like you know, it, it crushes when people lean up against it. You know, it's, yeah. it's like a petticoat. <laughs> I know it doesn't it, look real at it's all. It's terrible. So anyway, their big plan is they're going to kidnap like thousands of children at like this charity event. The children mm. don't know they're kidnapped. They're constantly still to entertain them. But uh, if like the governments of the world don't pay the millions of dollars, they're going to kill all the kids. Mm. Um, that's cool. Taking kids hostage. That's that's a real it, thing. You're, and you're a kid in the audience. That might be a little scary. There, there's an idea for something there. Mm. And the monsters decide to go undercover as clowns dressed as monsters. <laughs> that's all they got. Which is like <laughs> this weird Victor Victoria thing they're doing. And I don't know how that how that plays. And uh, they end up in a big stupid fight. And what's weird is that. Before this, these people were just employees at a carnival, mm. but they have supervillain gadgets, and it makes me because they have like stupid gas. 
It's called stupid gas. It's called stupid gas. If you spray it, you become stupid. And there's a gag where they spray Frankenstein, who is the stupid character in Monster Squad, and he gets yeah. smarter. Yeah. Which is a joke. <laughs> Not a good one, but it's a joke. But, like, it, I was thinking about it, like, is this, like, a world where whoever you are, mm. you get a supervillain gadget, or, like, a superhero gadget, and you get to decide how to use it? Like, everyone's like, once you decide, it's like a cutie mark in My Little Pony. Like, once you, like, figure out what your big personality trait is, it just magically appears. You just sort of, you're issued it by some shadowy yeah. organization. Like, you, you Whitney Seibold, mm. you realize that your big thing is movies, and all of a sudden you get, like, a canister of 35mm film you can use as a bullwhip. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I get, like, uh, remote control nunchucks. Like, that's, we just issued that once right. we decide what our personality so, is. So, because he's a villain, he gets stupid gas. I guess... It's not really ironic. You know, you'd see this is for like the Batman crowd, but I think a little like it skews even younger than Batman. And you know, even Batman is okay for like an eight year old. Uh This is like for maybe a five year old, maybe a five, maybe a six year old. This is for little. This is for little kids. So a little kid is going to see something like Batman, see these big colorful plumes of smoke that you know the penguin is using. Uh But this is like knockout smoke. It's like to make someone unconscious. Your little kid. Knocking someone out is a violent act, and you're no. not going to necessarily want to show that to a six-year-old, but they can grasp something like you breathe gas and it makes you dumb, because that's kind of fun. So I can kind of, in a roundabout, twisted, child logic sort of way, perhaps see what the writers were getting at with the inclusion of stupid gas. I have a feeling like the writers were just sort of huffing stupid gas. I think, I, think of... the, I think the writers were not trying a lot of the time. However, the next episode can, does can have... We, can we make a t-shirt that's just a vial of stupid gas? <laughs> like a picture of that vial? Yeah, it just got gas coming out of it. It says stupid gas on it. It's not bad. <laughs> not against it. Uh, episode 5, an episode with an actually funny joke in it. Okay. Um, well, episode well, 5 is Music joke? Man. Mm-hmm. The Music Man villain is played by Marty Allen. Uh, mm. And the music man, he is a musician, a failed musician, a very bad musician, mm. who steals money to pay for people to see him perform music. Mm. It's okay. the, the Florence Foster Wallace. That, or, it, yeah. Uh, Florence. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but the, what he steals from is really, really funny. Mm. Because they're doing a telethon. They're doing like a Jerry Lewis telethon. And it's for the number one killer. In the whole world. And they're trying to eradicate it once and for all. We're having a telethon to cure <laughs> natural causes. <laughs> After we, we make enough true. money, no one will ever die of natural causes again. <laughs> and you know what? That's funny. That's just cute. That's actually pretty funny. I, I left I, I, a good hearty chuckle out of that. Th- this is the episode that has a Sid and Marty Croft reference. Yes. They're talking about, you know, we have to stop the Croft, or they call them the Craft brothers, Sid and Marty Craft, and they say, we we don't need to deal with them. They went straight, yeah. which is a little bit odd. And they end up going to the Lorenzo Music Academy. Well, no, because the villain's name is, is Lorenzo Musica. Oh, uh-huh. And Lorenzo Music, if you don't recognize the name, he was the voice of Garfield and Garfield and Friends. He was the voice of Peter Venkman in the old real Ghostbusters cartoon. He was Carlton, your doorman. Yeah. He's one of the best, most recognizable voice actors. Mm. And he was working in the 70s. So yeah. these people probably knew him or knew of him. So it's well, clearly a, an in joke. He was working in the seventies, but he wasn't like a a huge name. He was just a working actor. At the time. I, think, I think it was just an in joke in the writers' do, room. Do you think that they were trying to get Lorenzo Music to play the part and no. they couldn't get it and they didn't bother changing the script? I think they were bored, and I think they thought it would be funny to name a character after someone they knew. 
<laughs> I named him Lorenzo Music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lorenzo, Lorenzo Music is a good friend of mine. Let's yeah. name a villain after him. Lorenzo Music guy. He's got a music villain. What the hell? Na- name checking Sid and Marty Croft uh, is maybe a little bit of a reveal for this show because mm. Sid and Marty Croft did some really weird shit in the 1970s. Yes, they fucking did. And. They claim not to have been on drugs, and I don't believe them, mm-hmm. because I've seen H.R. Puff and stuff, and I've seen Electro Woman and Dinah Girl, and I've seen Bigfoot and Wild Boy. And it's I, called H.R. Puff and stuff. I've seen the Bugaloos. I've seen fucking Lidsville. By the way, that's the original title, fucking Lidsville. Fucking Lidsville. Okay, Lidsville, by the way. Let's go on this path, because this this will take us to a very great place. Yes. Uh, Lidsville <laughs> stars Butch Patrick. It's a boy who finds a magic hat, a mag- like a magician's hat. The magician is played by Charles Nelson Riley. <laughs> he climbs into the hat. He can f- bodily fit inside this hat and falls into a dimension where all of the, <laughs> the citizens are hats, like talking hat people. Yeah. And there's like a, the policeman's hat is the policeman. I'm, I'm going to say this the right chef's now. Hat is the chef. I'm going to say this right now. Uh-huh. If Sid and Marty Croft were not on drugs, uh-huh. the television studio executive who greenlit that was. <laughs> this, this is great talking the hats. Best man. thing Green- in the world. No one ever, no one's ever done this before. We'll be hailed I, as geniuses. I like to think that Sid and Marty Croft knew this one guy who's just high all the time, <laughs> and they had no plans. They're just they do these improv <laughs> things where they just sort of make the wildest, make up the wildest thing they could, and see what got greenlit. Lidsville, Butch Patrick, tries to fight an evil wizard, played by Charles Nelson Reilly, with the aid of a city of hat people. How many seasons did it last? Uh, I think more than one, strange. Damn it! I think Lidsville lasted a while. Sid and Marty Croft did a lot of weird kid stuff. And I think that might have been where this show was trying to face. Like, that's the direction mm-hmm. it was trying to go. Well, that was certainly the market and, they were trying to cultivate. And if can you picture Monster Squad, rather than having actors in makeup, if they were H.R. Puff and Stuff style Sorry. puppet people, like with gigantic felt heads or something, or if they were just like Muppets, like we saw Dracula, but he was operated from like behind a screen, would the show have made a little bit more sense to you? No! It's still <laughs> stupid! I mean, it's still... I mean, the, the, the caliber of humor is still very childish. Mm. The scenario is still very childish. But would it at least have felt a little bit more tonally appropriate if the monsters weren't actual people? No, it would have just driven me insane. <laughs> also, Lidsville had one season. Did Oh, Christ. Shit, now we have to do that. <laughs> no, I don't want to do Lidsville. God damn it! I've seen one episode of Lidsville. It made, drove me insane. I tried you, watching another one. You sent us into ruin! <laughs> All right, the next episode of Monster Squad. Lidsville is the kookie. The next episode of Monster Squad gets a little bit racist. Because this is the episode with no face, starring Sid Haig, who you know from Mm. Devil's Rejects, Spider Babies, a character actor who's been in everything for forever. You you see him at horror conventions all the time. He plays two characters in this. Mm -hmm. He plays Chief Running Nose. Isn't that funny? Yeah. And he plays No Face. A sort of uh, uh, Clayface type supervillain well, who impersonates he's a, other people. He's a master of disguise. Yeah, he like has elaborate makeup setups. Although we never see him see his actual face. Yeah, like and he can look like anybody. So you get any actor. So the plot of the episode is No Face has impersonated Chief Running Nose, mm. and the city in which the Monster Squad live uh, was originally purchased from the Native American uh, population mm. for twenty four dollars. Mm. However, the contract is very specific. 
And at no point could the land ever be subdivided or the contract would be null and void. So, of course, the land has been subdivided, and now Chief Running Nose, a.k.a. No-Face, has the the option to buy it back at cost. (laughs) So he spends $24... And buys the city. And buys the city, and then... And then uh, impersonating the mayor... Yeah. The mayor only exists to be impersonated. Yeah. It's the only reason the character exists. Uh, And and he's not, like, a very stern mayor. He's actually kind of this cherubic... Dopey mayor. Yeah, dude. The mayor, uh, at No Face, a.k.a. the mayor, uh-huh. decides to legalize crime. All crime. And I love the way Walter describes it, because uh-huh. he's shocked. Uh-huh. And he says, anyone caught not committing a crime <laughs> is arrested and sentenced to three years of, of crime. crime. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's a funny joke, too. And it's a funny joke. That's a funny joke. I'll let you have that one. It's a shame it's in the... Because Sid Haig is doing every... Uh, Every it's, cliche it's, in the book. It's it's not quite as bad as the Indians from like Peter Pan, but it's, it's pretty, pretty bad. bad. I would say it's only if it's better, it's marginally better. It's it's, it's you know with the war paint and it's you know so the, bad. The, when what was that movie where um, Paul Lind played the Indian? Like, yeah. Never, why why are we following him? He needs to be looked after. Yeah, uh, no, no, thank you. It's called The Villain. Yeah. There's a, a really wacky mm. Western comedy from the 70s called The Villain that's really fun. One of the interesting with, things... Uh, with those offensive Indian stereotypes that were common at the time. One of the interesting things about this episode is that one of the uh, henchmen actually became a very recognizable actor, David Provel. Mm. Uh, he, he was in Mean Streets. Okay. He was in The Shawshank Redemption. Oh, he was also in... Who did, he, who did he play in the Shawshank Redemption? Oh, just one of the other inmates, I forget. And yeah. uh, I forget the name. Uh, but he was also in The Monster Squad. <laughs> we have synergy! Yes! In <laughs> case you were wondering, this has nothing to do with the movie The Monster Squad, which is usually <laughs> just called Monster Squad. Uh-huh. Uh, the Monster Squad is actually one of my favorite movies. I loved it as a kid. I still think it holds up really well. Uh, and it is I about... wish I had seen it as a kid. Oh, so I, I, as a kid. I, I didn't see it until I was in college. And oh. I don't think it got me quite the like, same it's way. It's still clever writing and everything like that. But when you're a kid, it's just so on the other edge of wrong. Oh. Because it's still a kid stuff, but it's still got it still like feels subversive. They still like blow up a wolfman and his legs fly across mm. the room, and then they slide across the room and reassemble him because you can only kill him with a silver bullet. Ah, uh-huh. these we have people being staked in the heart. It has like Dracula throwing dynamite at a guy and killing him. It has Dracula lifting like a six year old girl up by the face, <laughs> saying "Give me the amulet, you bitch!" And you're just like Jesus Christ, Monster Squad. But there's this bit in the Monster Squad where it's two pilots and they're transporting Dracula's uh, Frankenstein's coffin. Uh-huh. And Dracula p- performs a mid-air heist with the coffin. And it's totally awesome. And one of the pilots is David Provel. No kidding. Yeah. All right. All right. It's really fun. Like, I recognize him. It's like, this is the wrong Monster Squad. Playing, I hope, the same character. <laughs> I think so. After he became a goon, he decided to turn his life around and he became a pilot. However, that does get confusing because that means that Dracula and Frankenstein and the Wolfman eventually reverted to their evil ways. Which is kind of sad when you think about it. It is. It's very sad. Mm. Or... Especially since Frankenstein is just kind of a lovable boob and... Hang on. The, the, the Wolfman's kind of a, a very approachable, affable, intelligent, capable... He's, like, the only capable one on the team, really. Yeah, he's also the one who, like, I guess because he's a wolf, he can climb things. And so they, they give him the Batman they climbing They do the gag. same Batman thing where they turn the camera sideways and he climbs up walls through windows. Oh, there's like, no celebrity... I honestly uh, expected a celebrity guest to poke their head out of the they window. They couldn't get actual they, celebrities. No, no, not, not if, like, Burl Ives or whoever they could get that week. Oh, God. 
But, uh, but yeah, anyway. So, uh, um, and then they defeat No Face, and then it turns out that, yeah, the contract was null and void. Mm. Uh, so they have to, uh, so the city owes him 24 more dollars. And I'm like, <laughs> well, at least they're oppressed. <laughs> Fuck you. Reparations for the Indians. Great. $24. Episode 7. I hope the- white people lose a lot of money at Indian casinos. That's all I can say. Episode 7, The Astrologer. This one stars Jonathan Harris from Lost in Space. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and he plays an astrologer who has been incorrectly predicting the weather for and forever. His outfit is fabulous, by the way. They dress him in <laughs> glitter. And you know Jonathan Harris like <laughs> helped pick out that outfit. He wanted to look as ostentatious as possible. So, tired of being wrong, he predicts mm-hmm. suddenly that there will be a massive earthquake. And figures out a way to make that happen. By stealing an atomic bomb. By a 30-year-old atomic bomb that is clearly labeled. Yes. As a 30-year-old atomic bomb. It and says 30-year-old atomic bomb. On the Walter song. actually has a book that called How to, How to Defuse a 30-year-old atomic bomb. bomb. It's like, which has <laughs> got to be a real pain in the ass to redistribute that every single year. And, like, change it for the next <laughs> level of atomic bomb. It's, 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 a, it's a review. <laughs> <laughs> the bomb review, uh, yeah. It's like it's like how to cook four forty humans. It's just completely. Un- the, the, this show is playing a lot. I'm not going to say playing with your expectations, but yeah, what it's, expectations? It's, kind of, it's kind of riffing. It's supposed to be a little slapsticky, and I I appreciated like, when it did slapstick stuff like that. Well, there's a or, bit- like, or where characters are turned straight to the camera and make some sort of well, like a there's self-aware a weird, remark. Every once in a while, there's a joke. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're used to it now in, like, kids' movies and kids' shows where there's, like, a joke that's kind of for the parents because the kids just won't get the reference. Mm. There's a joke here where Dracula is trying to defuse the atomic bomb and he gets hit with something, I forget what, Mm. and his exclamation is, Me, a pharaoh! Uh, yeah, I don't don't really understand. I don't really that. get that at all. That's, th- just, that's just someone's name. I think it was a spoof on Mama Mia, but it doesn't like, really the only play. celebrity they knew named Mia was Mia Farrow. So yeah. I, yeah, I don't really understand it either. I don't get it at all. Moving on! Because <laughs> there's not... Uh, there, there's, oh, 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 sorry. I forgot. Mm. There actually is something amazing here. Mm. Because uh, the astrologer's, like, death trap... Allow me to introduce Carlo... My pet clam. <laughs> it is a giant clam, a giant clam. on its on its end, Aww. and he puts Frankenstein and the Wolfman in the clam. Clearly, something that they had in the NBC vault. <laughs> yes, and in order to escape, the Wolfman. And by the way, they're facing each other, mm-hmm. and the they're, clam is like biting them up to like their waist. They're in a net, and they're being lowered slowly into the clam. The Wolfman mm-hmm. comes up with a plan. And it gets down on his knees, and Frankenstein is still writhing because the clam is eating him, and it looks really wrong. So the, his, so the plan, while they're dying, is to fillet Frankenstein. Yeah, he was just eating the clam. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, it's super weird. And then, like, Jonathan Harris is, like, really sad because his pet clam died. Yeah, and the I'm wolf like, man just ate his pet clam. Wolfman just killed a guy. His name was Carlo. He didn't kill a guy, he killed a clam. He had a name! <laughs> so what? Your cat has a name. I could eat him. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> Sergio, no! Hey, Sergio, come here. Get, get between these buttons. <laughs> Put Smear barbecue sauce on yourself, Sergio. Oh, that's clearly a coleslaw situation. All oh, right, sorry. moving on. <laughs> Episode 8. Julie Newmar as Ultra, Ultra Witch. <laughs> Julie Newmar briefly rescues this series. Julie Newmar, not only from Batman... 
also in an episode of The Monkees. This is where we are. Julie Newmar swings for the fucking fences, <laughs> knocks over the fences, <laughs> runs past the swinging. fences, finds new fences, mm-hmm. and blows them up. <laughs> she is... Ha- and she looks like, kind of like, like if you found like an off-the-rack, quote-unquote, sexy Cthulhu costume... It's it's very ten very tendrilish. I don't know why. It's like this green sparkly thing with a lot of octopus tendrils sticking up off of her. Yeah. So uh, her plan is to have all the cows go sour. She yeah. She wants to spoil all the milk in the world. Yeah. And uh, the I, they find out who is responsible See, the, for this horrible crime uh, because a local cookie store only has one customer left. Only one person in town still has milk. That's okay. You know what? This sounds like like a play that a first grade class would have written, and I was charmed. Yes. Because what greater crime is there in the world? Forget the kids <laughs> that were going to be blown up if you know were held for ransom. Forget causing an earthquake that would have murdered millions. What greater crime is than there is that? Having cookies, but no milk. A bad guy took your milk. This is the logic of Cap'n Crunch commercials. <laughs> this is you know, like the super villains from Cookie Crisp ads. This is this is something kids understand kind of inherently. Yeah. So I appreciate the childish charm that they actually went for this sort of story. And they got Julie Newmar dressed as Shiny Cthulhu. Yeah. And she to is be the milk thief. And she is sashaying. She is I'm doing every accent in her arsenal for no reason. She's, <laughs> at all. She's bored. Why not? So bored. Dracula shows up and he wants to hire the Ultra Witch to give him a reflection because he's tired of not knowing what he looks like. The, and the other monsters yeah. have to reassure him that he's handsome. And and that's that's actually something that comes back later in the show. He can't see himself and he's and he's also vain. Episode nine. <clears throat> the wizard. Uh, starring Arthur Mallet from Casablanca the series, which we've already reviewed, mm-hmm. and also Hook. Yeah, he was the, the uh, Uncle Kid. Leslie. Uh, was it Leslie? I think it was Uncle Leslie. Anyway, the guy who lost his marbles. The, the, the nutty, the nutty older guy. Yeah, um, and he has a, a, a job inspiring the movie Despicable Me because he he has invented a he way a to ring. shrink monuments. Oh, no. shrinks monuments. Oh, wait, the other guy is the freeze right. Yeah, this yeah. guy shrinks monuments and is putting them in like a little garden. Well, he, he can not only shrink them, but when he shrinks them, they're like teleported to his office. Like he doesn't go like go there, shrink them and take them away with him. He just sort of tran- like Star Trek transports them over to himself. Mm-hmm. So he just sort of they come out of a little machine. And he has little models. Yeah. So essentially all they had was a box. And a miniature Statue of Liberty, and they created this villain plot. Yeah, and, and this he, does, is again, he does this because he was tricked into buying cheap real estate, uh, like you the, do, in the hopes that an airport would be built there and the the value of the land would go up. That didn't but work. So he's happen. buying. So, so now he's, he's stealing monuments to and he's put in the land. Put monuments on the land, and that's something that could have happened in a GI Joe cartoon. You know. But like, listen, if you can shrink stuff, you don't need the land. You can be rich. That's <laughs> shrink a bank. Yeah, <laughs> teleport the bank to you. Well, I'm just saying, you press people grow the money. Shrink any goddamn thing you want on command, and people will pay you for it. Mm. Or yeah, think about think about how much you'd save in shipping costs. Or or yeah. or population shrink everyone on the planet, and you got your food shortage. That's a, that's actually a movie. Is it? Yeah, it's a new movie. Alexander Payne did it. Alexander Payne did a movie where everybody shrunk. Yeah, to to like save the world from like overpopulation. Uh, okay. I think it's called Downsized. 
Oh, no kidding. No, you didn't know that? No. I, I thought you were referencing it like on purpose. No, it's just yeah. an idea I came up with. Well, you, no, not you didn't no- come up not, with it. Not a very novel thought then. <laughs> no, apparently not. Um, anyway, that episode ends. Moving on. Uh, the next episode... And there's a tussle and they win. Uh, the next episode stars Jeffrey Lewis as The Skull. And The Skull, Jeffrey Lewis is... Well, and, uh, and we're in, in The Skull, we're introduced to a new monster. That's right, we get a mummy. Uh-huh. And uh, The Skull's plan is to uh, resurrect the mummy. Mm-hmm. And the mummy will do his bidding. Which, and which he does. He does indeed. And the and mummy is a mean monster. He's not a nice monster. And they take him... They When they defeat the mummy, they take him back to the lair. And... Somewhat, I think, rudely, they decide to unwrap the mummy mm-hmm. and find out what's inside. And it turns out it's nothing. It's just a bunch of bandages. Or was it? And then, like, someone, like, pokes Dracula invisibly. So the invisible man. Ooh. In maybe. So that's what happened to the invisible man. I they guess. slain. The invisible man became the mummy. Now, why the mummy would not team up with Dracula, Frankenstein, and the Wolfman is beyond me. <clears throat> Everybody Did they knows seem that cool to you. Honestly, it seems like kind of a every, lame gig. All, all of the monster, well, just all of the monsters are friends. We know this. Are they? Well, let's trace the history, please. Okay, so we had the Universal monsters in the '30s, mm-hmm. and they were always monsters. They were always scary. Some of those early ones are actually really terrifying. Yeah, some good movies. Um, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, notwithstanding, this was all in the 30s and 40s. Yeah, Creature from the Black Lagoon um, was the last of the qu- classic quote-unquote universal And monsters. that was 54, I believe. Early 50s. Um, early, early 50s. And in 44 and 45, they had the big mashup events. They had House of Frankenstein and House of Dracula, where mm-hmm. all of the monsters got together. And also Abbott and Costello. We learned that these monsters lived in the same universe, and they all had nefarious plans. 1958, Forrest J. Ackerman starts Famous Monsters of Filmland, and all of a sudden, monster fandom and fondness for the monsters is kind of exploded in the the cult consciousness. Yeah, everyone has a deep-seated affection for these monsters. And because these monster movies are now running on television, little kids now have access to these monsters. Little kids are growing up with these monsters kind of as buddies. Yeah. Then then Bobby Pickett writes the Monster Mash, and all of a sudden monsters are buddies who get together okay. for parties. But I always figured the Monster Mash oh. was like is like a truce. It's like in World War Two on Christmas Day we'll play soccer and tomorrow we'll end up killing each other okay. again. I figured that was the Monster Mash because even if you look at something like Mad Monster Party, uh-huh. classic, which, which came after the Monster Mash, it, it did. Uh-huh. But it's still indicative, I think, of the area you're talking about in which mm. people's affection for monsters. The idea was that all the monsters hung out together. Mm. I buy. That all the monsters hang out together. Mm-hmm. I do not buy that they're all best buds. I bet just like uh, uh, like Dallas, <laughs> you know, or they, all, or they all hate each other, but they're going to get together for I, well, like, who some, else some they, greater cause. Who else are they going to hang out with? Mm. <laughs> but there's a lot of sniping. There's a lot of people who've known each other for a long time. They've all cheated on each other's girlfriends and boyfriends, <laughs> and, and they all just de- secretly a lot of them hate each other. Mm. And you'll notice even in Mad Monster Party, like Dracula's trying to like they're trying to do each other in yeah. Mad Monster Party. Yeah, yeah. that's my point. Is there's there they are. Here's the thing: even if we love them, mm. they're monsters. Mm. They can't help themselves. Well, that's what makes them in, monsters. In between the Monster Mash and Mad Monster Party, we had the Groovy Ghoulies, which I think might have been the first clear-cut case of the monsters being just downright friendly, heroic beings. My point is that there there was this very gradual shift from the monsters being evil monsters to being friendly okay, monsters. I'm going I'm to stop you right there, because the Groovy Ghoulies are not monsters. They are ghoulies. 
No, the groovy ghoulies are the same. Are Dracula, Frankenstein, and the Wolfman? Yeah, but they're ghoulies. They're not monsters. They're they're different. <laughs> there, there's a difference between a ghoulie there's and a, a monster. There's a huge difference between a ghoulie and a monster. Maybe in the movie Ghoulies. Exactly. But I'm, I'm talking about the groovy ghoulies. Yeah, if, just because they're groovy doesn't make them not ghoulies. Ghoulies is in the name. <laughs> but but the groovy ghoulies is not about the ghoulies. The movie Ghoulies is about ghoulies. Groovy ghoulies is about monsters. Who are ghoulies? <laughs> Go- it's like a subdivision. Go- ghoulies are toilet gargoyles. <laughs> I don't believe yes. I'm, having this conversation. I'm not going to argue that. That's that. And, I, and, you, you stopped me there because I'm and, like, yes. And, and, and then, and these groovy ghoulies. <sighs> you miming my weed. Um, All right. The next episode. <laughs> episode 11 The Weatherman, which ironically is not about the guy who tries to predict the weather. Mm. Avery Schreiber plays the weatherman. This man. is the guy with the freeze ray. Yeah, he has a freeze ray. Mm-hmm. He's going to freeze America and force people to vote him president. <laughs> he has a freeze ray called a thunderbus mm-hmm. that Frankenstein eats. And he's very upset because that was his property. And that's kind of cute. I like that Frankenstein ate his weapon. I, it was nice seeing Avery Schreiber again. He's always mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, he, and, he, and he has a great outfit, too. Like, like all these streamers well, the, on his head. I don't care what he's wearing. He has the mustache. The, <laughs> find a picture of Avery Schreiber. Dude's mustache was legendary. Like, I, the mustache got him work. Yeah. It's like it's like if it's like if uh, you combined Willy Wonka and Gene Shalit. You got Avery Schreiber, what a great <laughs> that's, actor. That's, that's a great mashup. All right, uh, and then uh, two more episodes. Another kind of racist one. Episode twelve, Lawrence of Moravia. Yeah, there's the the cliched Arab. Yeah, character. An Arab sheik who's going to mm. dip people in oil, uh, stealing a giant pearl. Mm, which which they use as a projectile in the scuffle, if I recall. Mm-hmm. They threw it around a lot. It was like the size of a basketball. Yeah, I have nothing to say about this episode. It's uh, not. It's not even an interesting episode. Not even interesting in its badness, like the No Face episode. <laughs> it's just sort of. I, I zoned I think, out after. I think a while. I was making lunch during this episode. <laughs> that sounds about right. And then the last episode uh-huh. is also fucking terrible because this is one is called Albert Alberta. Oh yeah, where um. It's sort of like Two Face, but one of the faces is a woman, but is played by a male actor. Yeah. Mm. So half, of, so it's like his right mm. side is a woman, mm. and his left side is a dude, mm. and and the, they're, there's they jokes like that, like he like she's a great lady, but he's not a very nice man. You know, that sort yeah, of, that sort of thing. And uh, it's like yeah, that doesn't play well at all. <laughs> it's not it's not funny even in mm. context. The, the, um, I mean, it's, the, it's the jokes the jokes are terrible. lame and yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, we didn't have a talented... Like, they just painted a woman makeup on one half of this male Mm -hmm. actor's face. If they had a talented enough actor who could act both halves of their body... Like, you know... They would have... And, like, each... Like, the woman and the the man personalities were kind of distinct. That would have been kind of fun. If you wanted to take the curse off of this, you could get someone like... I mean, she wasn't around then, but, like, you could get, like, RuPaul. And they would understand that in order for this to work at all, you need some camp. A little, you, need, yeah, you need a yeah, huge sure. dose of self-awareness if this is even remotely going to work, which it doesn't. Um, and this is just... This is like if you ask like Joe Pesci to play that character. It's like, <laughs> I don't care how good the actor is. Yeah, that is that He's not going to bring what that role needs mm. to get away with it, and they do not get away with it, and it is fucking terrible. <laughs> it's really, really, it's, really it, bad. It's, 
unfortunately, these last two are so forgettable. Plus, yeah, this is a tough one to mainline. You can't really yeah. just do one right after the number, another of because Monster Squad. Because it's the Squad. same can, show. Yeah, every it's, every it's episode so, plays the exact same way. It's such a, you know, beat for beat, it's the same. The villains all have very similar personality. Like, mm-hmm. they, they give them de- separate personalities, but they all have similar villain-ish motives. Yeah. So they don't really emerge as being, having, like, different yeah, kind of, uh, and this isn't approaches like, to their villainy, and this isn't like Batman, where the majority of the villains in Batman—they made up a few—but like the majority of the villains in Batman had been around for a while, and like the people who had written Batman, it kind of worked out the kinks and yeah. figured out like what why what it is was the, about the Penguin? That why works, is the Penguin yeah. a fun villain? Why is the Joker a fun villain? Actually, the show improved the Riddler. The Riddler was kind of a forgotten villain yeah. until the show got to him, and everyone's like, "Oh, the Riddler is really cool." Like. And then they made up a couple that were really fun, like Egghead. Did they make up Egghead? I thought Egghead Didn't was they? in the comics. They oh, was obscure, so. but... All right, well, yeah. Vincent Price played him. He was fine. It was great. <laughs> uh, but, like, yeah, no, but the thing is, all of them had, like, really broad, very different types of personalities. Mm. Every single villain in Monster Squad is basically the same level of manic. Yeah. They don't really have, with the exception you of the Tickler, that... who, is, who is always sad, uh. which is one of the reasons why that episode stands out as, like, almost a good episode, <laughs> at least by comparison. Mm. Uh, but, like, yeah, everyone else, is, it's the same shtick over and over again. And I'm sorry, if I'm a kid, I'm like, I don't need to see the next Monster Squad. I saw it last week. <laughs> There's literally no reason. This isn't even, like, SVU, where the crime mm. is fucked up. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's just repetitive. Mm. And I think after a couple, I mean, you can probably get away with this after for a few weeks, mm-hmm. but I think most kids are going to realize the show is giving me nothing. Well, a lot of kids need nothing. Well, apparently you, not. You, this you didn't look, get good enough ratings to last. I, I guess not. It was canceled after only 13 episodes. Yeah. Was it canceled too soon? God, no. <laughs> oh, Lord, no. This um, show was terrible. Now, <laughs> this show is a real train wreck. I, I would have watched the heck out of this when I was seven. You know, this this would have been something I would really would have dug, and uh, I I just enjoyed them. I would have enjoyed the monsters. I would have enjoyed the dumb humor. I would have enjoyed the the crime fighting aspect of it. It it would have spoken to me as a seven year old. Mm-hmm. Um, as an adult, I can't really think of. It's not like Batman, which you can watch as an adult and appreciate sort of this broad aesthetic that they're going for, mm-hmm. or the monkeys. You can watch it. Oh, we can watch as an adult. Well, and Batman get this sort and the of monkeys really strange almost surreal bent to it the surrealism is missing from monster that's Squad. the thing there's it's it's they're playing they're playing down uh-huh. i think that was a huge mistake and you can tell like i said there's a couple episodes where the jokes are a little weirder mm. and you can tell that like the people writing the show want to write better jokes than this but someone's probably telling them write down write yeah. down to like a first grade level and i think that was a mistake i think kids like mm-hmm. Shows that have an appeal to older to older people because kids want to be older. Only adults want to be younger. <laughs> kids want to be older. Uh-huh. It's like you hit, you want to start, you start wanting to be younger when you're in like your late twenties, and then you <laughs> never get back again. Like kids always want to be older. Uh-huh. It's great. Um, and so playing down to these kids, I I can totally see just like I I don't want to watch this show. I want to watch something that is at the very least. Mm. Well, kookier than this and it's just also, like it's just it's, not that funny it's not that funny it's going for that sort of batman manic energy but this was 1976 this is 10 this is a full decade after batman mm-hmm. 
this is way, way too late for this type of show with this type of setup and that type of childishness to really catch on. Mm-hmm. Hanna-Barbera had already lapped this like eight times in terms of like concept and weirdness with all kinds of weird cartoons that were going on in the 70s. You know, yeah. Captain Caveman and Jabberjaw and all the rest already. 1976, we can't have this kind of camp anymore. There, This is clearly somebody who had one idea, mm-hmm. and tr- they were trying to recycle it after it was already dated. I feel like what may have happened is mm-hmm. someone said, hey, you know what show was a really big hit for us? Batman. Mm-hmm. Should we do more Batman? It was really expensive. Okay, let's do something exactly like Batman. Let's get a guy who worked on Batman, and uh, we'll make it but with like one-tenth the budget. We can't license any characters. I, Dracula, Frankenstein, and the Wolfman. Well, I guess the Wolfman isn't public. I guess it is public. Well, he's, domain, a, he's a werewolf. He's werewolf, not specifically yeah. the Wolfman. So, so yeah. these are all public domain characters that are we can bank on. We don't have to pay a dime for them. Right. We'll do this with a superhero show with monsters, and that's for kids. That's a fine idea. That's not a terrible idea. Yeah. I feel like if you're going to do this, this show, this mm. way. A TV series is a bad way to do it. I feel like if this was a more expensive, with better stars, mm. Halloween special. Yeah. Like, if you if you like took this and made it like an hour-long Halloween special, okay. like a two-part episode, and instead of this level, like you spent the money and mm. you got some good guest stars. Like some famous people. You got, so, you got a Vincent Price, or you got a... <laughs> Um, bigger than Jonathan Harris. He got a Fred Astaire. Yeah. I don't know. Someone who's like, he was big, but he wasn't working that much. Oh. You could get him, is my point. Sergio, off the fucking sink. What? Why? Do we? I feed you constantly. Feed me more. No. Why are you doing that? I'm not happy with you. Anyway, Fred Astaire. My point is, is that <laughs> you just, the novelty of live action, universal monster superhero show mm-hmm. played like Batman. That's worth watching once. So let's make it really good once. Let's right. do one Halloween special. If it's popular, mm. we'll do another one next year. Well, but then you can't have the, the rotating rogues gallery, which is kind of the one of the appeals of Batman, is you got the villain of the two week, or I guess the week, because there were two episodes mm-hmm. a week. Well, that's what I'm saying. Do like an hour long one, you can have like a team up. All right. You know, just have a couple of uh, famous people show up as the Monster Squad's villains. I think a, a series of those types of TV specials. So you could have the tickler, and you could have Ultra but Witch. We're, could... we're running into the point where we're making this series, and this series sucked. So I think so, one episode is so a good I, way to I, do I th- it. So I think what we're saying is there's a good version of this series somewhere, just this isn't it. No, it is definitely yeah. not. <laughs> Maybe we'll discover it somewhere down yeah. the road. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's Monster Squad. Uh, Monster Squad is available on DVD. You can track it down. Um, Parts of it are available online if you want to look at it that way. Um, It's an amusing novelty, and if you want to put on something really silly, like at a party for Halloween, you could do a lot worse, but uh, it's not like a good show. Paying attention to every single episode is not something you need to do. No. Watching an episode and a half at a party is something you need to do. That might be kind of fun. I think you would have fun with it in that context. Yeah. And I'm not talking about being drunk or high. I'm just talking about... It's just a silly party show. It's a group. It's something fun to learn about. It's something you can witness, but not necessarily Mm -hmm. consume all of. It's an amusing novelty, but I can see why it didn't take off, and Mm -hmm. I can see why its cult is very small. (laughs) Um, So uh, that's it for this episode of Cancel Too Soon. However, we're still catching up on our letters. That's right. We have a lot of letters to catch up to. Uh, If you want to send us messages... Mm-hmm. Uh, we are on Twitter at CancelCast, but we read your letters if you email us at canceledtosoon at gmail.com. 
That's Cancel Too Soon, all one word, with one L. With one L. Um, and uh, if you want to talk to us about your memories of these shows, uh, something you disagree with, something mm-hmm. you want to correct us on, shows you want to recommend, we don't read all those on the air because we got a lot. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we always take your suggestions and we always keep note of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing these as fast as we can. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're falling into the same trap we did with the B-Movies podcast, actually, where we just sort of let the, the letters lapse for far so too long. So we're going to try to catch up as so, much um, as we can right now. Here's a letter from Omar. Hello. Hello. Omar. Dear Bibbs and Whitney, hope you guys had a restful Labor Day weekend, so now we know where we are. Okay. Uh, we are also on vacation here in Qatar. Hmm. It's our listener in Qatar. Uh, you two know more about TV than anyone else I know. Oh, well, maybe you should know some more people. <laughs> I know some, like, deep-cut TV experts uh, Yeah, we, in the world, we but... know some huge TV nerds, but uh, thank you. We're trying. Uh, so I was wondering if either of you have ever seen Joan of Arcadia. Oh, yeah. Uh, the show follows a teenager named Joan, and God comes down to her and gives her assignments. I got the impression that Joan of Arcadia is Gilmore Girls, but with God. If that's the case, that effing sucks. <laughs> How do you deliberately invoke Joan of Arc and not have your lead fight demons and Satan? Anyway, I was wondering if you had seen the show and if you could tell me it's a, if my assessment of it is correct. Is it Gilmore Girls with God or is it become something? Does it become something more action heavy later? You know, I, I haven't seen. Not it. terribly familiar with the show, but from what I understand, it does not become an action show. No, it's more. I, I think it's more contemplative slash spiritual. I, I think it's more like early edition or something. Uh, there's a big kind of cult following for for Joan of Arcadia. It was reasonably popular. That's two seasons. Yeah. So we can't review it here. Uh, but people liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard, really never heard any bad things. Nice. Um, he, so yeah. He, he was on to say, I, I know every Supernatural show involves the hero fighting demons, but this show clearly wants you to think of Joan of Arc. God can't just come down and tell her to get an A on a history test, which is the description of one episode. <laughs> I mean, what the F? Joan of Arcadia lasted two seasons, so it doesn't qualify for a show. Look. Uh, anyway, guys, I love your work. It keeps me sane. Take it easy, Omar from Qatar. Look. Um, it's hard to delegate authority if you're God. You gotta do a lot of it yourself. You gotta <laughs> micromanage sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta, a, you're gotta God. get the nitty gritty. You're God. There's a lot to do. Yeah. What do you got next? Okay. Uh, this one comes from Hayden. Hello, Hayden. Hello, Hayden. Um, hello. In preparation for the new movie, I watched the It miniseries, and it does not hold up. We talked about this last yeah, week. We yeah, we did. Part one does uh, does have many good slash great moments throughout, but it doesn't work as a whole. Tim Curry, for better or worse, is the best part. He has some creepy moments, like the Georgie scene, but I found him. I personally found him hilarious, specifically the scene where Pennywise is swinging the deflated balloon while laughing. Oh, that's there's a scene uh, where he's like appeared to one of the characters in a library. Yeah. And he's just sort of like cackling. I think he's doing a noisemaker or something. I think it's a noisemaker. Yeah, yeah. And, and, he's, just, and he's, he's distracting the character, but nobody else can see him. Yeah, so it's yeah. actually a really great scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's laughing like Tim Curry laughs, so it's kind of hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't do Tim Curry. I can't either. Uh, if the miniseries ended at part one, I could slightly recommend it, but part two goes on what feels like forever. The only thing keeping me engaged was Tim Curry because I got so excited when he showed up on screen. I also noticed how much better the child actors were compared to the adult actors. I felt like they they sold the terror way better, and because the acting was better, I cared more about the characters in part one than in part two. I, realized, I recently talked to my film teacher about the miniseries, and he said it terrified him so much as a kid that he hasn't watched it since and is afraid the new movie will tarnish that personal legacy. Aww. In that moment... I was very much tempted to pull out my phone and show him clips of Tim Curry. I understand that when a lot of people saw it, they were kids, and on some level I do understand, but that doesn't change the fact that it doesn't hold up to me. 
hopefully this email qualifies for canceled too soon because nowadays it's looked at more as a movie than as a mini series. No, it's fine. Um, a couple of things about what you said. Uh, mm. First off, yeah, the adult actors in the It miniseries, mm. I felt bad for them because most of their storyline is trying to remember the flashbacks. Yeah, like which just, we can see. Yeah. yeah it, so it like it really feels kind of tedious. Like we're just mm. waiting for them to catch up to us. We're watching it right now. I understand it's a function of the plot, but do something for fuck's sake. <laughs> um, as for your your teacher, you remember that um, there was a time when you couldn't get really hardcore shit on television. Mm. So if something genuinely kind of creepy or scary was on TV, it felt wrong. It, it, it was kind of perverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, they would show horror movies on TV, but they were always edited for content. So yeah. those would kind of scare you sometimes. Like That's how I saw Deadly Friend when I was a yeah. kid, the Wes Craven film. And that even scared me. I saw it at the right age. It was terrifying yeah. for me. But you look at something like Salem's Lot, which yeah. has pacing issues like you wouldn't believe, but sometimes <sighs> it's super yes, creepy. It or something like, a, here's a great, a great, solid great mm-hmm. network television horror movie. You can get it on Blu-ray. Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Starring Larry Drake. That movie is super creepy. It's actually legitimately really good. Um, it's a little slower by contemporary standards, but it's about a, a, a guy who is... Uh, people think he killed a young girl, and it turns out he actually saved her, but they don't find that out before they kill him. And he comes back as a scarecrow and starts killing everybody. All right. um, and it's simple, but it's great. It's effective. It feels like a, a, a folktale. And... It's got Larry Drake. And it's got Larry Drake, who's awesome. And it's it just you, you think about it in terms of this would was this would have been on like opposite the love boat. Mm. And it's just so wrong. It's wrong. Mm. <laughs> it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel wholesome. Yeah. And that really takes a hold of you. Mm. I, Sergio, now you're in the laundry I, camper. I saw, do you do that a lot? I saw the It miniseries when I was a kid, and yeah, it was scary. Sergio, out of the laundry hamper. I thought the miniseries was scarier than the movie, but, you know, maybe that's just a result of my age. Maybe. Um, Here's a letter from Scott. Uh, This is about Danger Theater. Uh, Okay. Have some memories of watching this show, mainly weirdly an interchange with Adam West that's not a very funny joke about a helicopter helicopter licensing. Yeah. I do think it was a show ahead of its time, but not as a TV show. Everything about it strikes me very much as a YouTube series that somehow got on television 15 years too soon. Low production values, the repeated jokes, the host talking to the camera. It kind of tracks to the kind of aesthetic of quick humor that can create a character, but not necessarily a 30-minute show. In particular, as someone who works in production in L.A., I think I would have worked a couple a couple of days on 357 Marina Del Rey. Everything feels so similar, though in modern YouTube space it would be about a gay couple. Anyway, keep up the good work, Scott. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. That kind of, like, rapid-fire, semi-narrative humor really does play very, very well online, where Mm. everything's super short. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't need to fill time to be an episode of a TV. Stuff like YouTube YouTube comedy series like Funny or Die and stuff you'd find on Adult Swim uh, has really codified older shows that were canceled because they wouldn't work as TV shows. I think yeah. it's like a format that other shows had to grow into. Uh, here's one a uh, letter from CW. Hi, Hello, CW. CW. Not, not the network. It's from CW. Okay. Uh, hi. Uh, this is about Battlestar Galactica. Oh. New Battlestar Galactica would have been way better as a one-season show or canceled any time before the actual finale. 
Okay. Uh, do, do you do you agree? Because I haven't seen all of the new battles. I think it, I think it lost a little <clears throat> bit of steam in the last season, but I'm still glad it exists. Let's find right. out what uh, CW has to say. Um, racism. Oh, this is all just individual this is, topics. Yeah, this is like a bunch of different topics. Oh, so okay. that's his opinion on Battlestar. Right, I, I disagree, but uh, I can see why you'd say that. Yeah, here's a, a, a word on racism. Uh, there's no doubt that some racists once used wishy-washy, but the etymology doesn't indicate a racist root. Uh, we were corrected on this by one of our listeners. Yeah. Um, some of it think is related to the German word wishy-washy, which has a very similar meaning. If the phrase was racist before, it certainly isn't now. There's even a Pokemon named after it, Wishy-Washy, number 746. Okay. Um, um, here's, no. what here's what I'm going to say about that, because I'm mm. not sure we were 100% articulate about it when we covered this before. And it, we did kind of address it a little bit in this episode. Mm. Um, we have to deal with a lot of shows that came from different times. <laughs> different times, different sensibilities. Mm. Uh, That's for sure. And uh, different things you could get away with. Um, different things that were considered acceptable mm. because people weren't comfortable speaking out and saying, hey, that hurts my feelings. I.e. racist humor. Yeah, that happens a lot. Mm. Uh, fat shaming. Mm. You watch Golden Girls. It's all over Golden Girls. And I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to watch Golden Girls. Why are you being mean? My philosophy is is this. Um, it's not my place to sell someone not to be offended. Mm. Um, so if we err on the side of caution, uh, we're trying to be respectful. Yeah. And I don't think uh, uh, we're going to go too far down the, well, in certain contexts, mm. it's not offensive. If it if it's potentially offensive and someone reasonably mm. could find it offensive, and especially if someone we know mm. would, would say it's offensive because we, we can say firsthand, yeah, mm-hmm. um, we're going to we're going to try to dance right as best we can. Yeah. And so, we're going to we're going to try to be respectful as much as humanly possible to everyone who watches the show. So when it comes to the word wishy-washy, it's one I've been trying to avoid because I always thought it had a racist yeah. connotation. The etymology um, is is apparently up for some debate, mm-hmm. but uh, some people find it offensive. So we're being we're being as careful as so, we can. And, and again, that was just it was even an example. It wasn't even something yeah. we ran across in a I, show. I'd, I'd rather be careful mm-hmm. and uh, uh, not hurt anyone's feelings mm-hmm. than uh, be careless and become a, 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 and become a, a jerk. A little so, bit too cavalier. Yeah, yeah. I, we, we don't want that. Um, another another subject, imaginary friends. Uh, relating, of course, to imaginary, imaginary Mary. Makes sense. I always thought that imaginary friends were a fictional trope. It sounds like apparently many people had them. Were you able to see them in real life or as a hallucination? Um, yeah, it, having an imaginary friend was something that fiction introduced to me. I didn't have friends mm. that had imaginary friends. Or they didn't tell you about it. Or, or perhaps I had not. an imaginary friend. Okay. I, as I think I mentioned, uh, yeah. a giant uh, I, uh, cat. Um, I, I saw that more in sitcoms than I encountered it in real life. Here, here's what I will say. I think mm. in my case, I can't speak for everybody, uh, this wasn't like a vivid hallucination. Yeah. It was, I'm bored. Uh, I was either, I mean, my br- older brother was significantly older than me. Mm. So I didn't really have anyone to hang out with most of the time. So I Dude, made up someone to talk to. Sure. An, an only child with a sibling. Basically. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, it's it's... I, I think it was a relatively healthy thing. I wasn't convinced of its full reality, but it was more fun to think that it was. Yeah, yeah. It's done. It's like it's like Santa Claus, except he hangs out with you. <laughs> there you go. All right, uh, and also a, a show recommendation: Work It from 2012. Okay, two men have trouble getting employment and decide to fake being women to get a new job. Oh, I remember that. I that was a... <laughs> that did not last. People were mad at that one. Hey, that's from CW. Okay, uh, here's one. Adding it to the list. All right. <laughs> 
Here, oh, here's a long one from Nick A. Bear. Nick, oh, Nick hi, writes Nick. in kind of frequently. Hello, yeah. Nick. Uh, hey, guys. This is about Imaginary Mary. It, the subject is in defense of Ben from Imaginary Mary. We called him kind of a milk toast character. Yeah, we weren't a big fan of the of, of the. It was the that was the dad. Right, yeah, Ben? Yeah, yeah okay. Because there was the teenager boy, mm. and then there was the dad. Those mm. are the two main dudes. Uh, hey, guys, you mentioned that in one episode of Imaginary Mary, the father's problems would have been solved if he had gathered up the courage to have the sex talk with his daughter. I don't really have too big a sample size to declare this definitively, but I'm pretty sure that the sex talk isn't common nowadays. In high school, a Catholic school, mind you, one of my teachers asked the class, how many of you have had the sex talk with your parents? I can't remember the context for the question, though thinking of it now, I doubt any context can justify it. No one raised their hand. The only, only conclusion I remember is all of us coming to is that a combination of the media, the internet, siblings, and knowing kids from other schools gave us all the necessary information. He said the same was true of other classes he had asked. Cut to college. I asked friends who had attended both private and public schools in this state and others whether they had the talk with their parents. The only ones who had were homeschooled their whole lives. The rest they learned on their own. The same goes for people I worked with who were around my age, 24. I feel like I should have mentioned that earlier. So that's about 100 people who have never had the talk with their parents, who assumed either withheld that conversation out of embarrassment or opted to shield themselves behind the word abstinence. They would just kind of hope their kids would learn everything on their own, and then once they grew up enough to be perceived as adults, they can talk a little more openly since there are no longer any questions and misunderstandings. For instance, I promise I'll circle back to the show, but just hang on a second. <laughs> My parents, if you couldn't tell, skipped the sex talk. Hell, when I came out to them in 10th grade, sex was never brought up. I figured it out on my own. Then when I was either 18 or 19, we were eating at a restaurant and I started to tell a story. I said, this one time, and I paused briefly to try to put my statement together, my mom immediately filled in the silence with, at band camp. This one time at band camp. Yeah, from, from this, American from Pie. From American yeah. Pie. Yeah. She and I both laughed, and because I obviously knew the reference and concluded that that I had actually seen American Pie. It was clear to her that I knew everything about sex and she could probably, <laughs> that she could possibly have taught me about years prior. Okay, if you're okay. getting your sex education from American Pie. <laughs> yeah, so, so, mm, uh, that's probably, I'm not saying not that this was, any way shape, this was any way, shape or form the correct assumption that she should have made, From but from my experience, it seems to be a common way parents find out they had managed to dodge the bullet. Incidental acknowledgement on the child's part of being exposed to enough knowledge on their own. Mm-hmm. So when y'all describe the episode of Imaginary Mary, Ben's actions seem to mirror the ones my peers' parents, and indeed my own parents, because I see modern parents as scared to death of that conversation and willing to ignore the responsibility for as long as possible. The way that plot gets resolved is completely bonkers, but I chalk that up to dumb sitcom shenanigans. And while I'm not willing to admit that the... This complete failure of a show aids in the presentation of truth that one lacks looks for in art. I do think that it does demonstrate what I, a non-expert with a limited group of examples, perceive to be a cultural trend of allowing one's children to use the many resources at their disposal to figure things out. It's not a good trend, it's not a logical trend, but it exists. I apologize for getting caught up in the smallest of details, but it really got my brain buzzing and I couldn't help myself. I also apologize for the length of this letter. I have too many thoughts, including this one. What TV series lasted more than one season and yet, in your opinion, was still canceled too soon? Hugs, hearts, and the dog farts. <laughs> Nick A. Bear. Well, that's a strange <laughs> sign-off. Um, a little bit. Yes, I think that the sex talk, and this is not just a modern thing. I think this is since time immemorial. I think a lot of parents are uncomfortable really, having this conversation. And it's really strange that we live in a world where pornography is ubiquitous sex is everywhere extreme set like we have 
virgins who know about extreme sex acts and like can't get off anymore because they're addicted to pornography. That's, that's where that's, that's not where, common. Though. It's that's not, not com- a, it's not common, but it's the world I, we live I, in. I, now. I don't like. I, I hated and, uh, it when uh, that uh, that one uh, <clears throat> Adam Sandler movie used that as like the sort of fucking boogeyman yeah, about the evils yeah, yeah. of pornography and I'm just like you know I, what I'm that thinking, can happen I'm but that's more not of, the norm more of the movie World's Greatest Dad this yeah. kid who hadn't had sex yet is always you know approaches women saying hey when are we gonna sodomize one another it's like that's varsity level sex start small yeah. <laughs> you know start with making out work your way up to something. Well, people can, can convince uh, themselves they're experts yeah yeah, yeah. And, and I think sex is everywhere in the culture and in one way, that's good because it's opening up the conversation, but people aren't having the conversation mm-hmm. and people are getting really unhealthy views about sex because they're only getting it from media and from porn and from these things that aren't being discussed in an open, warm, well, healthy way. I remember when I was young and uh, again, the Internet was invented in my lifetime. But when I was really young, it mm. wasn't really a thing. Like maybe you get out of the library. And, yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I didn't touch the Internet until I was in college. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, but sex, human sex sexuality was a thing we knew about <laughs> everyone pretended they knew more than they did no. and as a result tons of misinformation were spread everywhere because here's the information th- is still being spread it is that's the thing we think we have access to all this information we also have access to idiots People who don't know what they're talking about, people who uh, are are talking a bigger game, people who have some sort of agenda, maybe a sociopolitical agenda about how things are supposed to work. Mm. Um, and Bo- both pro and anti-sex. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and uh, if it's inaccurate, those can both be a problem. Mm. Uh, I, here's, here's my thing. I'm just going to uh, try to... I don't have kids. <laughs> uh, so I can't speak to that level of discomfort. But I have said... To myself on many an occasion that when and if I do have kids, mm. um, I'm not going to go out of my way to make them uncomfortable, but I'm going to want to make sure that if they have any questions about human sexuality, I will be frank, uh-huh. I will be uh, non judgmental, and I will just tell them how it is because my parents, bless them. I could tell that they were thought it was awkward too. We here's the thing: we well, they, didn't have you, you got the talk. No, I came close. <laughs> okay. We didn't have the sex talk. They assumed I knew the sex talk. Mm. We had the safe sex talk. Okay. We skipped the sex talk, which I really could have used, and we just went straight to safe sex. And well, I'm like, what? well, that's great. I don't know how I'm supposed to do it, but I know I'm supposed to use a condom. The, the safe the safe sex talk kind of grandfathers in the sex talk. Yeah. It's like you can kind of Most glean of the a lot of the details. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. I I did get the sex talk. Okay. I got a, I got a sex talk. I got sex ed classes at school when mm-hmm. I was in elementary school. You got and the in sex ed lunchbox. You I, got the I got t-shirt. A, I got a, yeah. I got a, a not our bodies ourselves, but a very, a very comprehensive encyclopedic like eight hundred page guide on like all thing all matters sexual. And you read that thing cover to cover. You, didn't you? bet I did. <laughs> Because that's it's a like, magical weekend. Because they, they were talking sex matters, like oh, and here's girls masturbating. Oh, I'm going to read about that. That's fun. Uh, Classy. <laughs> so, well, I mean, it, it, it was titillating, but it was also informative. Yeah. Uh, the way a sex book ought to be, well, especially so, when you're young and you also, don't really have any experience. Also, my mom was an obstetrician, and pregnant women were coming to the house all the time, and they were talking about sort of the way babies were made. So I understood what like what menstruation and like uterine linings and mm-hmm. uteruses and ovaries and how babies were born, all of the internal workings of a lady. 
I knew all of that stuff when I was maybe five or six years old. So I, okay. kind, I kind of so there wasn't like this I like always, mystique. No, a lot I, of people I kind have. of like I felt okay. like I always knew. I, but you know, I understand that's kind of a rarefied environment. So you know, mm. sex was a little bit more. Ca- I don't want to say casual in our household. That sounds really gross. But no, but it was something. It was something that wasn't uncomfortable to discuss. Yeah, it was part yeah, of the yeah. conversation, and I think that's very healthy. I think so. It's um, I, but we're I not. Think, gonna, I'm not going to judge anyone if it's difficult for them. But but uh, I, th- you know, I, I have my own thoughts. Judging by this email, I think more parents need to do it because yeah, go, going online and asking other people who are just as ignorant as you about sex, you're going to get all bad information because mm-hmm. it's just proliferate. The bad information is proliferating even faster than the good information. Yeah, and it's hard so, to correct bad information because most bad information, if you believe it, uh, sounds good. It's it's really specious sex talk. Yeah, really. and that's and that's true for for sex. That's true for politics. Mm. That's true for anything. If it sounds check, check good, your, you're, it's hard to convince yeah. you it's not true. Check your sources. You know what? Yeah. L- listen to Dan Savage. I'll okay. say that. Yeah. Listen to Sa- D- Dan, Savage, Dan Savage. Dan Savage is great. He's he's very frank. He's got a few skewed views on certain things, but hmm. he's he's going to be very frank about sexual matters and there especially about extreme sexual matters you might be curious about. So, All right, let's yeah. move on uh, because that was okay. an odd tangent. I did not expect to have that conversation today. <laughs> Uh, here's here's a letter from Dan. Hi, Hi, Dan. Hi, Dan. Dear William and Whitney, or how I'd like to call you, the good Double W boys. <laughs> We're I'll, double dubs. I'll take you. Double dubs. Uh, longtime <laughs> fan, first time emailer. Hello, Thank you. Welcome. I wanted to ask if there would ever be an idea of doing one episode a year of ideas for TV shows that never took off. So, like, so just us pitching like, shows? No, like not like shows that were put in production but never actually filmed. Oh, I see. Uh, okay. Such as HBO's ideas idea to make Preacher based, based off the Garth Ennis comic book and mm. now the AMC TV show uh, into a show. Uh, Mark Steven Johnson and Howard Deutsch to be producers but sadly was dropped because the heads of HBO changed at the time and the head thought it would be too controversial and too violent. Funny enough, from the same network that made Game of Thrones. Another show that was supposed to be made by HBO was Hobgoblins, about a con man and a magician who tried to take down Hitler. (laughs) Okay. The script by novelists Michael Shabon and Ayelet Waldman and apparently was supposed to have Darren Hernovsky as the series producer. I want to see this show. (laughs) I personally believe there's hundreds of great ideas for shows or not so great ideas that would have been fascinating to see if they just had the chance to be. I would have loved to hear your thoughts and speculations about the show. A title for this yearly event canceled way too soon. Ha! I like it. Might even take your title. That's no, um, not bad. This is actually a fun idea. Um, yeah, the, I can dig it. Besides that, you two are a crucial part of my podcast listening weekly. Uh, Listening, weekly routine, hearing you guys talk about shows, and reading the letters of fans have saved me many times from boring trips on the bus and train. Also, I uh, hope to hear something about the new movie podcast as well. Keep up the great work, guys. Dan in Chicago. Uh, P.S. Uh, mm. If none of those ideas work as a speculation show, uh, speculation about a show that couldn't be a pilot, I would recommend that would be an amazing screw-on head. Oh, yeah. Based on the Mike Mignola comic and had an animated pilot from the Sci-Fi Channel produced by Brian Fuller. I, I own uh, The Amazing Screw-On Head, and we'll get to it at some point in the future. I've seen some of The Amazing screw I watched it when it was for, uh, first uh, debuted. Um, that's a fun idea, and I don't think we're going to be able to get to that soon, mm-hmm. but we're going to put that in the hat, because that's a, that's that, a that, fun concept. That is a good idea. Yeah. We, we'd have to do a, a little bit of more research. That's like, the thing. We can't just whip just that out. Tracking down the show and looking up like a, a few web pages you know on yeah, sort of the background we'd want to give you some cool stuff with yeah. that but that's that's fun that's I, a fun I idea. like that uh, so uh, thank you well, very very much for that thank you for writing in uh, want another letter yeah let's do it here's one that comes from Trent hi Trent hi. I've always liked the name Trent I had an uncle named Trent he's my favorite uncle he was awesome 
because he had a cool name like Trent. One of them. One of the reasons. Um, yeah. <laughs> greetings, William and Whitney. Hello. I came to your show when William mentioned it during the first paywall episode of TV Fights. Um, you were on TV fights. I was once. Uh, loved it ever since and to listen to nearly every podcast already. You guys are hilarious and your analysis is amazing! Exclamation oh, point. Thank you. Oh, pshaw. Uh, I had watched many of your uh, many of your shows long after airing from personal interest and your insight is very welcome. I would like to know approximately when you are going to do what I believe to be the series you most often mention, ne- nearly every show in fact, Almost Human, which is a show I watched and even turned friends onto before it's untimely demise at the end of 13 episodes, but would eagerly watch again in anticipation of you guys doing an episode on it. There are a few suggestions which meet your criteria of vague and WTF. Was, and WTF was that. One was The Secret Diary of Desmond Pfeiffer. Still trying to track that down. We're, we're we, looking for it. We can find talked pieces about it of it. We're trying to track it down in its entirety. It's the weirdly whole series, hard to find. Yeah. Well, because it's hated. Well, yeah, but a lot of hated yeah. stuff is available. People want to hate it. He, he describes it as the, perhaps the most bizarre show ever made. Uh Chai McBride, is it Chi, Chai, or Kai? Uh, it's my understanding it's Chai. Chai, okay. Chai McBride stars as Desmond, a black valet in Abraham Lincoln's White House. It's a raunchy comedy of fools in which Desmond appears to be self-aware and hyper-intelligent. It is vulgar, bizarre, and suffered massive, though expected, backlash from the very first promo by such groups as the NAACP, among others. It was truly terrible and gone nearly as quickly as it started. I might suggest trying to get an African-American film critic or possibly Chai McBride to come on the show <laughs> when you do it because some of the material is very sensitive and a bit lost oh without some perspective. God, I would love to get Chai McBride on the show. <laughs> Just to talk about that the secret diary which has been for As for the show itself, I'm not even sure where you could find episodes. Ah, oh, shoot. Yeah, okay. that's problem. It's not available on YouTube, but we'd love, love, for, uh, love purchasing it for you if you, I could find it. Well, Thanks thank for you. And keep on casting, Trent. W- that's one of our grails. We're definitely looking for that. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking of grails, the reason why we haven't done almost human yet and by the way my sister bought that for us yeah we have it we it's, have it it's, and it's in this room and we're not holding off to be a dick we're holding off because what we want to do is we want to do like a month where we only do shows about cops and robot detectives mm. and the robot but, partners yeah that's what i mean yeah like so we've, we did man and machine um. and it was one of our favorite things <laughs> and we want to do uh. future cop we want to do almost human we want to do uh we'll do like the robocop live action mm. series and, uh maybe Maybe with the RoboCop animated series. And of course, Holmes and Yo-Yo. That's the thing. We're looking for Holmes and Yo-Yo. Holmes and (laughs) Yo-Yo. We're we're trying to fill out a roster here. Oh, and uh, Total Recall 2070, by the way, which is also, I actually rewatched the pilot for an article on IGN, (laughs) uh, because it was also a Blade Runner show, and it's actually held up pretty well, at least the pilot did. Um, But uh, yeah, if we can find Holmes and Yo-Yo... We're going to do all of them. Aww. Now, I don't want to wait too long. So if like sometime next year we still can't find Holmes and Yo-Yo. We'll do all of us. We, we'll, we'll do like a, a theme month and we'll just get the Holmes and Yo-Yo as like this lost thing. But like. Yeah. A- apart from Star Trek Discovery, uh, Almost Human was like one of the only new shows that I've watched in like the last decade. At least so consistently. Consi- like like actually tried to tune in week after week. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm also looking forward to it because I also watched it and I there haven't seen every episode, so it's going to be a great chance for me to catch up. Yeah. So yes, we've heard mm. Almost Human is actually one of our more requested shows. Mm. We're we're trying to make it special, <laughs> not to not to like pull the curtain back too far, mm. but uh, yeah, we like doing these theme months. We're going to take a break after November because we'll have done a lot of them in a row. But like, yeah, that's one we really want to do. We're just trying to find the perfect show for it. <laughs> so it's it's a matter of timing. All right, let's do one more letter. Almost, one more. Do we have letter. a lot. Okay. I mean, like, I mean, I know we, we're not caught up. Up, but we're getting there, right? We're, we're getting there. We'll do one more. Right. Here's one that comes from Cecil. Okay. 
Hello, guys. Hello. I was, I was thinking about how Doctor Who has lasted this long. Over 50 years, technically. And my theory is that because it keeps getting rebooted. Every time a doctor, head writer, or producer changes, we have a new perspective and a new type of writing. When, while some seasons can be bad, eight and nine come to mind, you don't have to stop watching because everyone swaps out. Jody, I can't believe they did it. Whitaker is in the best position as the new head uh, is in the best position. Uh, the new head writer, new companion, new doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, clean slate. I, clean slate. Yeah. Uh, Jody Whitaker is going to be the next doctor. Yeah. She's, and the first female doctor. And the first female. Yeah. Um, I'm so effing excited. You guys have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have an idea. I'm super excited, too. Uh, might bring me back. I actually was watching Doctor Who and I lost interest. The uh, last so. season was really good. Okay. I'm going to say that right now because I wasn't like I thought like the last couple of seasons before where there's a couple of good episodes, but it was mm-hmm. mostly kind of eh. the last season of Doctor Who was really yeah. great. Like there was there was like one dud. Like other than that, all the episodes. Okay. Were really yeah, awesome. I, I was watching the, the Christopher like Christopher Eccleston years mm-hmm. uh, and I like Christopher Eccleston a lot. Yeah, I think he's um, underrated. I think he was a good doctor. And uh, then I watched the David Tennant episodes. They're mostly th- brilliant. Those were pretty good. Yeah. And uh, and then I watched the first season of uh, Matt, Matt Smith. Smith. Yeah. I interviewed him once. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I, I got to interview Matt Smith and I was very proud of myself. I did not mention Doctor Who once. I'm sure he appreciated it. <laughs> I was kind of hoping he would. But uh yeah, but but it's not that I, you like had something against Matt Smith in the role, or like I preferred one of the previous ones. Mm. It was just that the, the the scenarios all seemed really similular to me after a while. The I problem like with I, Matt Smith, I got, I'd gotten enough of the show. Matt, the problem with Matt because you, you're talking about rebooting it, and you're right. The reason why Doctor Who has been able to to remain relevant for so long is because they have this ingrained element that keeps it fresh. Mm. It has to change at it some ha- point. It, it has to constantly restart. Yeah, still stay basically the same premise. Still, still someone who fights oh. aliens. And saves the world and inspires people but other than that you can change almost anything at some point um but the problem with matt smith i had is i actually like matt smith as a doctor a lot i thought he had some of the worst episodes of the modern era but he was good and i think the biggest problem was when they switched from christopher eccleston to david tennant there was a huge shift right away it was very different because Christopher Eccleston was like really kind of broody and he was the post-traumatic uh, stress doctor he yeah. was the guy who had just had to deal with the repercussions of this time war mm. and re- killing like a lot of people in order to end it so he was really suffering David Tennant was able to move on a bit and he was just a bit more fun and he still yeah. had a dark streak to him but it, there was a clear shift there were mm. clearly different takes Matt Smith's take on the Doctor didn't really differentiate itself from David Tennant for like a season and a half. He really did feel like someone who was a little too similar to David Tennant. Yeah. And, was, and I thought he was too young for the role. Well, I think that was the idea, is that uh, it was supposed to be someone who looked young but actually had a really old soul. Mm-hmm. And as his series went on, you really felt that. And I think he really started to feel like an old man mm-hmm. um, in a young body. And I think that made his character very interesting. But, yeah, Peter Capaldi, on the other hand, huge shift. Dramatically different. Just couldn't be more different to the extent where I think for a while they didn't know what to do with him. He was like an old grouch. Yeah? He was an old grouch. And yes, I yeah. think for the first season yeah. or so... That, that was, sounds kind of appealing to it me. It was. Yeah. And for the first season in particular, it's just they really were trying to do something completely different and tell stories in a very different way. And I don't think they found their groove really until, like, at least towards the end of like the second to last Capaldi season mm. and then the third Capaldi season it's pretty much great all the way through oh. and I really am going to miss him now <laughs> um, like because he was good but he had some great bits yeah, okay. towards the end so but I'm super looking forward to what they're going to do next mm. I'm glad they didn't 
do the same old shtick. I'm glad it's an entirely new voice. I think Stephen Moffat did some brilliant things. I also think he did some terrible things, and I think it's time to try someone new. He was like the the head writer, Stephen Moffat. Yeah, Stephen Moffat was responsible for most of the great episodes, like the really classic episodes, in like David Tennant years. He was like Paul Dini on Batman the Animated Series. He just wrote (laughs) most of the great episodes. Um, And then he became the showrunner for the Matt Smith years, and it felt after a while like we kind of figured out his shtick. Much yeah, like we figured I, I out, Russ- that, yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. And I think much like, like we figured I, out Russell I, T. Davies' shtick, he had a very particular way I, I, of doing. I had, Doctor I had my finger on the show a little too closely for me to keep on watching. It's a, like, exactly, yeah, I'm not going to tune in again just to watch the universe end and they save it the last. I'm excited again, to know? see it's, what someone else uh-huh. can do with Doctor Who okay. because even that was just kind of grandfathered in from the Russell T. Davies mm-hmm. era. Uh, he also says, uh, I, I started a podcast with my friend called the Aussie Nerds Podcast, uh, where yeah. we talk about children's movies. Any suggestions would be great. It comes out Saturdays in Australia. Thanks for the good time. Uh, so. Yeah, sure. Um, so children's movies. Let's see. Uh, I'll, I'll recommend an Australian I'll one I always liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frog Dreaming. There you go. Yeah, it's uh, really Brian weird. Richard Smith. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Uh, parts of it don't hold up very well. Parts of it do. It's kind of atmospheric and weird. Um, but it's about a guy, a little kid. Uh, is actually played by the kid from E.T., and he, Henry Thomas. Yeah, I think it's Henry Thomas. And uh, he's uh, investigating like a mysterious lake monster mm. on the outskirts of his town, and it doesn't go the way you expect. And it's pretty cool. It's a good Australian kid flick. It doesn't pa- have to be Australian. Ba- Babe Pig in the City. That is a great movie. Yeah, I love yeah. that movie. That movie's I, super dark and I, weird, but I, it's great. I, I watched that again kind of recently. It's better directed than Mad Max Fury Road. I'll say that. I can the, see the, why the, you'd say that. The, the direction is just... It, it has it. It feels more cohesive than even mm-hmm. something like Mad Max, and they're both chaotic movies. Yeah, but th- this feels like a very particular kind of uh, construction, mm. whereas Mad Max feels a little bit more freewheeling. I'm going to go to bat for mm. a more recent movie that we and I talked up a lot on mm. the B Movies podcast back when we had that, uh, and it's been a while since I've been able to bring it up. Earth to Echo. Earth Echo is a good one. That's a really good movie. Like, if that had come out in 1988, people would have <laughs> fucking loved it. Yeah. It would still be, like, have a special place in people's hearts. It's heck of a lot better than Super 8. Oh, my God. So much better than Super 8. Yeah. Like, and, and Super 8 is not bad. It's just kind of eh. just, just kind of blah. It's just yeah. kind of there. But, like, yeah. No, that one's great. Uh, Earth Echo is really, really solid. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and uh, Danny Boyle's Millions. Ooh, that's, one that's, I like a, to, that's one I like to bring up a lot. That is one of the great sort of underappreciated Christmas movies. <laughs> like, people don't talk about it as a Christmas movie. It's a great Christmas movie. Yeah. Like it's. Really oh, and good. Uh, keep an eye out for Todd Haynes' Wonderstruck. I think that's another one. That's Have you gonna, seen it yet? Yeah, I got oh, to see that is one it good? a little early. I don't, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to comment on it yet, but okay. uh, but I enjoyed it. Okay, well, that's, I'll, say, I'll say that much. Fair enough. Um, um let's see, Arthur Christmas. <laughs> oh, Pirates, Band of Misfits. It's one of the funniest movies. Oh, and Shaun of the Sheep. Basically, most all the Ardman stuff except Flushed S- Away. Sans Flushed Away. Flushed Away, there. I could not get more than half an hour into that thing. It was just, terrible. It was manic and awful. It was terrible. Um, so so yeah. bad. Uh, and if you're from, I guess uh, that's the last letter for this week. But for this week. If you are in Australia, you're going to be interested in our next week, uh, next week's selection. For Australia, really? Yep, because okay. it was made by the Australian branch of Hanna-Barbera's animation company. That's right. So next week on Cancelled Too Soon. Uh-huh. Okay, so you know how this week we did a show about uh, a, a vampire, a werewolf, and a Frankenstein uh, fighting crime to sort of... Not just a vampire, a Dracula. Well, yeah, but a fighting crime to uh, uh, atone for past sins. Mm. Next week we're going to be reviewing a show about a Dracula, a wolfman, a Frankenstein fighting crime to atone for past sins. It's an animated series from Hanna-Barbera called Drac Pack. <laughs> it's Yay. 
Dracula plays like the leader of like these teen monster superheroes, mm. and for whatever reason, they don't call him Dracula. They call him Big D. Big, Big Daddy D. They call it. They call him Big D. We're gonna make all kinds of in. in oh yeah, yeah. This it's, gonna a, it's gonna be real weird. Mm. So we had to do like a double feature with Monster Squad. So hopefully, Drag Pack is better. I haven't started watching it yet. I have. Oh. We're in trouble. Oh, God damn it, no. <laughs> Sorry. Why would you do this to us? This was your idea. Yep. Ah, uh, you bastard. Um, I, I don't want to watch good shows. What are you talking about? I don't about? know why you do this to us. We're going to end the, the Halloween month on something a little bit more famous. Uh, so that we've had a lot of requests and, for. And so. perhaps better. But Hopefully yeah. better. And we'll talk about that. We'll reveal that next week. So but we're next skewing, week. skewing from Monster Squad. To Drack Pack. To Drack Pack. God damn it. Um, so thank you everybody for listening to Cancel Too Soon. Uh, again, uh, we're on Twitter at CancelCast. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Uh, you can email us, canceltoosoon at gmail.com. Uh, you can also uh, subscribe to us on Patreon. Uh, all your donations really help keep this show going. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps pay for episodes. It helps alleviate uh, the sort of financial strain when we have to spend like 12 hours a week like <laughs> watching a TV show and not doing a day job. Like uh-huh. It really, really helps. Um, and in addition, and, and uh, in return you get bonus episodes uh we got the cancel too soon monthly movie we're going to be reviewing stephen king's the langoliers which we'll probably do next week yeah. uh we're, do, we're setting our our first google hangout uh hopefully for next week we're it's, trying to find the right day for it it's it's just a matter of scheduling at this point yeah but yeah. We, we we just if you're listening to the show uh on our patreon page for our subscribers who get google hangouts uh mm-hmm. if you want to leave us a message let us know your best time for your schedule we're trying to accommodate as many people as possible mm-hmm. uh so we're doing that uh we got some exclusive videos uh we got merch uh, there's a lot of stuff going on over there and we thank you so much everyone who subscribes you really help keep this show going um and uh thank you everybody for listening whether or not you can actually like donate uh just listening to the show sharing it telling mm-hmm. people telling your friends uh, leaving us a review on iTunes, every little thing, just boosting the signal really, really helps. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we will see you next week with Drag Pack. That is a wrap, folks. We'll see you next season. 